Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday the 19th of April. Useless driver this morning. I mean, more useless than I think I've ever encountered in my entire life. I mean, the idiot of all idiots. Anyway, we'll tell you about that in uh, in a moment. Plus, the search for Maddie goes on, although the parents have said, the Madeleine McCann's uh, parents, have said that they will fund it uh, if it's not being funded. It'd be nice to think they'd be doing that now, really, wouldn't it? And then yesterday, was I the only one who thought, as people were scaling Nelson's column and accessing Parliament, what security have we got in this country? When we drove past... Trafalgar Square yesterday, me and my producer Chris we were sitting there and we're watching people scaling Nelson's Column, two ambulances and four police cars sitting there watching them or was this some sort of jolly day out or something who knows, we'll find out and all they were doing was putting gas masks on but they could easily have been terrorists couldn't they, they could easily have been up there with rifles picking off traffic they easily could have accessed part. if it's that easy to actually get there and climb up Nelson's Column and nobody does a thing about it what security have we got in this country? quite clearly none Absolutely nothing at all. Useless beyond belief. And in Parliament, they actually managed to access and they get... Was it a, a gas mask on, on Cromwell or Charles or somebody? I can't remember who the Dickens it was now. Either way, everybody's going, oh, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that they managed to scale Nelson's column? I'm thinking, isn't that blooming dangerous if it's that simple to do? If it's that simple to do, you know, small wonder we're not going to be prepared for any terrorists in this country. And they just sat there watching. Ambulance. I'm thinking, if they fall, they fall. How they got up there in the first place, I'll never know. I felt physically ill watching it. But I just don't understand why, you know, people think that's so. That's only Greenpeace. They're just sort of making, making a point. I'm thinking, they could have been anybody. If it's that simple to do. That simple. Police must be sitting there twiddling their thumbs at the moment. God, blimey. Uh, Johnny Depp's video apology on the war on the Terriers. Was, was nothing short of a very bad little acting audition. I'm surprised that uh, Helena Bonham Carter didn't pop up in the video. Seriously. I seriously thought it was going to be as bad as that. It was sort of watching it. So what he does is, he does something that we see on our television every single day, which is we look at this, is it Border Control it's called? It's a television programme which is set in Australia, uh, where they have a lot of fairly butch women and a lot of very argumentative, I've discovered, most of them very argumentative, stopping people bringing stuff into Australia. And the idea is you can't bring in this food, you can't bring in uh, this because this is forbidden, you can't bring in wood products, animals, what are you, mad or something? They'd have them taken away. But Johnny Depp flies two in, the wife flies two in to go and see him filming Pirates of the Caribbean, and they go through this, this charade, or charade, depending on where you come from, uh, of explaining that it's illegal to fly animals in. It's to do with quarantine, thicko. And so what they've actually done is, they've done it, and then they made a big brouhaha, and there was some politician, we could have the animals destroyed, and this and that, get the hell out of the country. So they took them out of the country, the wife vows never to go back to Australia. Then they make a big play out of going back to Australia, in a private plane, uh, to apologise, and there's no end result. There's no jailing, there's a, a piddling little fine, which is hardly worth bothering about. And, um, and everybody just carries on with their lives. And yet border control in Australia, they practically have these people up against the wall and shot. You imagine if they opened up a suitcase and somebody was bringing in dogs. They'd be the first people to complain about it. And yet over in Queensland, they've got no idea what they're doing, have they? Must be like an episode of Neighbours, poor souls. Anyway, so more of that a little bit later on. Plus, they've managed to find two more freebies. Sorry, really exhausting jobs for the boys in the royal family. Yes, uh, Prince William and his shadow, Prince Harry, are going to be going down to the set of Star Wars, I believe. That's really exhausting. And uh, and then 
William and Harry and Kate, I believe, or perhaps it's just William and Kate, are going to be hosting a dinner party for Barack Obama. I'm sorry, call me cynical, but what in God's name can Prince William and Kate talk about to Barack Obama? Do you think they've got any idea about, well, we, we're kind of like rich and we don't kind of involve ourselves with these sort of things, you know. And uh, we don't really understand about politics, you know. Uh, Grandma does everything. And, um, and uh, we sort of keep our house forever. You kind of have to give yours back at the end of it. I mean, I don't quite understand what they're, what they're going to be talking about. Perhaps they'll have to sit somebody next to William to go, talk, talk about third world countries and things like that. Harry, of course, will be sitting there going, another drink, anybody? That's how it's going to be. So this morning, as indeed every morning goes, uh, I have a car booked. I pay for it. It's not cheap, let me tell you. And uh, every morning they send you a nice little text message with your car is on the way. They tell you the number of the car. Uh, they tell you, the, they don't tell you the driver's name, not that I really care what the driver's name is, but they send you a car, they tell you where it is, and you click on a map and it shows you where the car is in relation to you. So that's nice, and it tells you how many minutes they are away. By the way, this is not an Uber car, okay? Just in case you write in and go, it's an Uber car. It's not an Uber car, okay? This is supposed to be somebody who's a professional driver, professional bloody idiot, idiot this morning. Excuse my language, using the word idiot, I realise a bit early. But anyway, so I'm sort of sitting there, and, uh, and they go, your car's on the way, and he's 11 minutes away, and then it gets to two minutes away. Now, bearing in mind, I am the only one on the street, me and a few dust piles, and that's about it. And so I see on the little map, because it's moving pictures, we've moved into technology, and I see there it is, and it turns around the corner, and it heads for me, and he goes to pull in, and then he speeds off again. Had I managed to get the door open, I would have been killed. It was as simple as that. And so off he poodles up the road. He's got no idea what he's looking for. This is the idiot to end all idiots. So he goes up the road, and I stand there thinking, either you're blind... Or you really are as stupid as I think you are. Because surely on his little map, it says you have reached your destination. He's looking for a number. He obviously can't find it. So he keeps going and he goes off. And I watch his, his lights disappear into the distance. So I stand there thinking, this is just ridiculous. This is just amateur time. Anyway, then he turns the car round. And he comes back down the other side of the street. And, and I'm standing there and I couldn't be more obvious. I'm at the place. I'm at the pickup. And the only person there, they always, you know, dumbly ask you your name. And you go, well, who else is out here? Who are you looking for? And so, anyway, so he, he gets level with me and he doesn't see me. This man is blind. I suddenly realise he's got to be blind. Anyway, the car goes past me, gets to the traffic lights and toddles off in another direction. So he's been passed twice. Then he turns round and comes back and he's about to pull in and then he goes off again. Three times, this idiot. How this man ever got a licence, because he quite clearly can't see anything. He must be blind as a bat. There's nobody out there. I'm the only person. And at my, at my designated pickup address, it comes up on his map. Either he can't read or he's, he's completely stupid. So anyway, then he parks further up the road. So he obviously can't see anything. He's blind, this man. And so in the end, I sort of walk up there. Well, I've had enough by this time. I've been standing there for ten minutes while he goes backwards and forwards and doesn't know where he's going. I said, three times you passed me. Oh, well, the pickup's not till... I said, three times you went past me. He was quite clearly so dumb, he had no idea. I said, I'm going to make an official complaint about you. You shouldn't be driving a car. Seriously, you're not fit for purpose. And so he goes, ah, well, you know, you should have said something. I said, said something. I shouted at you first time when you went past. I said, second time, you looked at me and carried on driving. 
I said so quite clear. Anyway, I said, do not argue with me. Just do what you're told to do. Just drive from it. I'm paying for this service. This isn't a free service. I'm paying for it. Anyway, it's, it's completely... And then he goes, where are we going? Uh, Charing Cross Station. I said, you don't even know where we're going. I mean, this is how thick this person was. He should be taken off the road immediately. Somebody like, stick him onto Uber, for God's sake. Because they're obviously far used to dealing with people like that. I get so angry. Why can't you find professional people? It's not like you're not paying for this. This is a serious amount of money, this job. It's worth a lot of money. Worth a lot of money. I've had them before where they disappeared completely. In fact, one, you know, was so stupid, I got in the car and drove myself in. You know, I'm far more professional than they're ever going to be. Right. Anyway, having got that uh, over and done with, I hope to God we don't bump into him ever again. If it's, if it's t- At one point, I said, listen, I do not want to listen to you. Just, just be quiet, OK? Uh, yes, it was a mask on Cromwell's face. Surprised they didn't put a mask on the lion's face. I don't know how they got up there. How did they get up Nelson's column? Can somebody explain that to me? Because there's, there's no ladders that they put up there. They still, so the police must have been standing there watching these people with ropes, thinking, uh, I don't think we get involved with that one. Let's just sit and watch, shall we? And that's what they did. They'd actually got to the top, two ambulances, four police cars faffing around. Seriously, I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. Just to put masks on there. I think we should make them climb up there again. I mean, at one point, I thought it maybe was Fathers for Justice, just to make it more interesting. But uh, it turned out not to be. It turned out to be Greenpeace. Oh, that's OK, then. You know, Greenpeace, that's fine. As somebody said to me, perhaps they're saving whales in Trafalgar Square, which I thought was a fairly interesting uh, idea. Uh, 84850. Ken, I've got no idea on that one at all. I, r- I really haven't on the radio voice of the year. I've seriously got no idea. I shouldn't imagine it's going to be me, but, I mean, it's nice that at least we made the effort, didn't we? Nice to be on a list... Nice to be on some sort of list. Let's have a quick look. at. I always have to every morning. I always think it's great fun, actually. I always uh, go through the junk mail and delete it. We don't bother reading them because if they're in the junk mail, they're a bit too stupid. So we've managed to get rid of them. And uh, and you just delete the uh, the people in there, which is it's fantastic. I get great pleasure out of deleting. I mean, it, it really is. It's like the be all and end all. I have people who monitor my Twitter and uh, and they will delete. But sometimes I've got no idea who they've deleted because I don't see it. I can see some of them, but I don't see all of them. Uh, so Ronnie's uh, funeral, we, we were right. Uh, Brucey didn't go, but his wife uh, went there as well. It was a nice turnout, actually. It was always a nice turnout, and he was lovely. Oh, look, here's a little picture of Harper Beckham going through an airport with dark glasses on. Do you get the feeling there's something the matter with this family? Are they a bit remedial or something? Is it just this... So she goes through, she's wearing... She's a little child. She's a little four-year-old with dark glasses on in an airport, holding onto her mother's hand, who can't carry anything at all. Where she where she puts her, her handbag, I've got no idea. And so the little picture of her and a little picture of uh, Romeo. Romeo's 13. We don't seem to read anything about Romeo. Perhaps he's kind of the forgotten child. But they all celebrated Mummy's birthday the other day, and presumably Harper got a pair of glasses which is worrying. And then there was Kelvin McKenzie's column yesterday, and uh, we used it on the programme. I don't always use Kelvin McKenzie's column, because I'm not uh, not particularly interested in him. Sometimes he writes some interesting stuff, and the other day he wrote something about one of the girls on Gogglebox. I think it's Gogglebox, Googlebox, whatever it is, it's a load of people sitting down there, uglies of the world unite. There they all are, they sit down, they're pontificating on television programmes. They're rude, they're vulgar, they're disgusting, they're common, they're useless, they're everything that encapsulates bad television. But people seem to like it. 
So there's a pair of old drunks who sit in a nice sort of posh house. Then there's uh, loads of chat. They're all chavvy families. I've never seen so many chavvy families. And some seriously overweight people. Seriously overweight. So one of them pitches up the other day. And Kelvin McKenzie talks about her, saying she's, uh, she's overweight. She's not a role model. I never thought these people were role models. But anyway... He said, not only did she look like she'd sat on, sat on the tuffet, looked like she'd eaten it as well. And, uh, and she complained. <coughs> Excuse me. She complained uh, that uh, she was being targeted because she was fat. Which, of course, is, is quite right. Because she picks on people on the television. And yet, when it's turned round the other way, she doesn't kind of like it. And so she stands there, this over-made-up, brassy-looking thing with the fake hair. And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. He's, he's made comment about your weight because you're quite clearly overweight. You're not a role model. And quite clearly you are concerned about the way you look, by the way you've troweled your makeup on and you've got the hair extensions. So why are you complaining? Why are you complaining? You should be grateful that somebody else has noticed and maybe kickstarts you into losing a bit of weight. And so she moaned about it. And of course the internet trolls come out and target Kelvin McKenzie. Like water off a duck's back to him. He couldn't care less either way. But, uh, and then she goes on there. But it's this fact that she thought she was a role model. For, what sort of role model, darling, do you think you... I don't even know your name. I'm ever so sorry. I didn't know who you were. I just remembered you were one of those foul-mouthed ones sitting on the television. I didn't, I didn't quite understand it. I watched Four in a Bed. And Four in a Bed is this delightful programme where you get a, a bunch of people who own bed and breakfast. They're not hotels, they're bed and breakfast. And then they all go round, stay in each other's places. They go in there, they run their finger under the toilet rim. They go... On, I mean, they're, they're, they're really... Have you ever been in a hotel? and run your fingers over the top of the pelmet? Have you literally stripped the bed and seen whether there are stains on the mattress? Have you ever done... I've never done this. These people seem to do it, and they're horrible at the same time. So yesterday, we have the four couples on there, um, and nobody likes anybody. At one point, one of the men, who looked like he was near death, it has to be said, because he was obviously getting himself worked up, didn't like what I don't like you. I don't like you, he said to this woman. I don't like you at all. And then there's two women on there who run a pub, I think, called the Roebuck. They were vile. I mean, seriously, we've seen some vile people on this programme. They were horrible. They were really horrible. They didn't like being put in one of the rooms, which was in a garden. I don't want to sleep in a garden, goes this snooty old bag with the fake hair. And it was either her daughter or her other half. I couldn't really... To be honest with you, I lost the will to live. But they hated each other. They didn't like the breakfast. They didn't like anything. You didn't make us feel welcome. It's a bed and breakfast, love. Get in there, give us the cash, stay in the room. And they were quite clearly playing to win. I'm so glad they didn't. I was so glad. I was shouting at the television. I got to that stage in my life where I'm shouting at the television. What with Gogglebox and everything else and drivers in the morning, my life could not be more complete. And you think this is bad, don't you, shouting at people? It's very good for you. Apparently it gets the blood circulating. No point in sitting there going... Otherwise you sort of just keel over and die. If I'm going to die, I'm going out screaming dying, I promise you. Talking of, uh, of dying, David Guest died. Funeral coming up shortly. Rumours in the paper of what Liza Minnelli said... Uh, she didn't like him at all. That's why the marriage didn't last very long. Actually, we have a programme full of marriages that don't last. And we knew that Liza Minnelli and David Guest's marriage wouldn't last because he was just after the fame and the association. Because before that, he was a nobody. And guess whose other marriage has split up? Jodie Marsh's marriage has split up. I know, you thought she'd left the country. No, 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 she's still here, apparently. And her marriage has split up after, I think, seven months, having told the entire world, or anybody who's remotely interested in listening to this dreary old person, about how exciting it was, and I'm committed to you for the rest of my life. Seven months is all she's managed. And uh, anyway, but she's keeping the dogs. Thought that's what he would have said. Anyway, it's uh, 18... No, it's not, it's coming up... 19 minutes past... Steve Allen on LBC... 
morning. A very nice to be company. I like a little rant about things first thing in the morning. Kind of gets the blood going, doesn't it? It kind of pumps through the system. Because at the moment, the, the driver said to me, oh, Steve Allen, LBC. I thought, don't start me now. Don't start me now. You've pushed me about as far as I can go. I've, there's one thing I hate. It's unprofessionalism. You know, I'm paid to be here to do this programme from, well, I think I'm paid from about three in the morning, because that's the time I get in to prepare. You can't just walk into a programme like this and just sit down and start talking. I've got to have some sort of idea in my mind. Admittedly, most days it's fairly blank, but at least I've got something to start with. And so, you know, when you get somebody who can't find you, and they've got a sat-nav, and they've got a map, and they've got your postcode, and they've got your telephone number, and they still can't find you, that's when you think to yourself, it's all gone wrong. And this, this is a big, this isn't a little company. This is a big, big company. Big, big company. Uh, Jack is a faithful spiker from Catford. He says, typical, isn't it? Two ambulances waiting for people who may fall from Nelson's column after climbing it of their own accord. But God help you if you need an ambulance, you'll be waiting forever. As we went past Trafalgar Square, I said to my producer, Chris, I said, there's two ambulances and four police cars. Two ambulances and four police cars for people who've deliberately climbed it. Because we thought originally it was like a stunt Thank you, David. Um, and, I, that, and I thought maybe it's some sort of free fall. Perhaps they could have, you know, jump down it or abseil or do anything like that. I didn't realise it was Greenpeace protesting about the air pollution in London. So they got the coverage. Eight of them got arrested. What will it be, a fine? I mean, I want prison sentencing. That's what I want, but I mean, that's just me, isn't it, really? Because it just, it was a waste of taking away services from elsewhere. So two ambulances just sat there. You know, it's like when we've had people climbing, was it Tower Bridge before now? And they closed the bridge off in case they fall. Well, it's their problem, isn't it? They've climbed it in the first place. Perhaps I'm being harsh. Perhaps I'm being harsh. Steve, I'm sure you could get a London taxi who comes into town every morning. You could strike a price with them. Well, this is an account. I've got an account with this company. You know, 90% of the time they're right. But when they, when they provide idiots, I mean, that really does... Uh, God, I kind of lose it a little bit. Scott the cabbie. He said, disgusted to hear the service you received this morning from your local taxi firm. Well, actually, it's not even a local taxi firm. This is a big London taxi firm. Big, I mean, possibly the biggest one, I think. If I was round your way and not South End based, I'd do your job personally. How hard can it be to find a house in the dark when you've got somebody standing outside? I know, I'm the only one there. I mean, literally, I'm thinking of getting a high-vis jacket. Just so that they can... Or feeling that, standing there stark naked. Oh, second, they'll definitely go past on that one. But, I mean, it's really ridiculous. Dave says, you do seem to suffer with the Muppets. I'm afraid there are so many because of sat-navs. I meet so many stupid drivers, really gets my gander up. It's just, it's, you know, I mean, we know that Uber seem to rely on sat-navs and they're possibly able to drive off the edge of a cliff because the sat-nav tells them to. But, I mean, I'm on a main road. I'm in the middle of Twickenham. You can't miss me. There's nobody else out there. As I say, you're lucky you get me and a fox. And that's about it. And they still sail past. You think, perhaps they are blind. Perhaps I'm getting people from the RNIB. I don't know. I mean, I can't think of can't think of any other reason why you'd be standing there. And I shouted. I went, oi! As he went past, you know, my deepest, butchest voice, trying to make myself sound as manly as possible. And he still ignored it. Still ignored it. Talk of ignoring things. Liza Minnelli has denied the fact that she said anything about David Guest. She was always very good in the fact that uh, he ruined her life. He was a control freak. David Guest was the... Uh, I mean, she always claimed that he wore more mascara than she did. 
He also wore more makeup. In fact, David Guest spent most of his time in makeup. He was the freak from America. He was the freak who got people to do things. But it was always the Z-listers. He could always manage to find a Z-lister who would latch on to him and listen to his dreary stories about long-since-dead people. How he worked with this person. Nobody knows who he was talking about half the time. You'd have to be about 95 to realise that David Guest was not of this planet. And I'm sure he was very sweet, but to be honest with you, he was another dreary American pitching up on our shores. Anyway... Apparently, uh, Liza Minnelli has uh, branded him a, a rude word, which I can't say on this programme. And uh, they, they were only married for a, a very short period of time. Uh, anyway, I mean, all he was famous for was reality shows. That was it. And getting people to do things. He had people doing his hair for him on I'm a Celebrity. I believe that Emma Willis's husband, Matt, was sitting out there doing his hair and sort of dyeing it and everything else. He was, you know, if you didn't know any better, you'd go, he was a whoopsie. You would go, he was a showbiz whoopsie. That was it. So they say here it's going to be... Uh, I'm not sure whether or not they're going to have uh, an autopsy. I'm not really sure about that. But uh, David's celebrity big brother friend, of course... Th- listen, listen to the Z-listers that they've dragged out. Nancy Delusional has been banned from his funeral by his close friend... Close friends are. Well, I mean, who's that? Who would be banning people? I mean, admittedly, you don't want her turning up. She's an exhibitionist and she's an attention seeker. As indeed are the other people I'm going to name for you in a second. They claim she ignored his calls for weeks, snubbed an invite to a charity event. They accused Nancy of using his death to court publicity. Well, of course, she's always been like that. Let's face it, she never had any talent by herself. That's why we called Nancy delusional. She always had to sponge off the back of other people. However, if she turns up, it'll be viewed as another brazen publicity-seeking attempt, like the other ones. Guess who else could be turning up to his funeral? The poor old David Guest. He'll be turning in that coffin, ladies and gentlemen. Kim Marsh, apparently another one of his close friends. Interesting, nobody spoke to him for 48 hours, wasn't it? Dean Gaffney. Who? Dean Gaffney. Kerry Katona. God, blimey. She'll be in the corner. A little drinky booze. I had a bit of a daft year. Uh, also, Lizzie Cundy. She would turn up for the opening of a fridge door. She's very dreary, very boring, very old. And uh, and also Tito Jackson. Uh, David's ashes are going to be scattered in York. Well, I mean, as, as we've all inquired, and nobody's come up with an answer for me yet, does David Guest have any family? Is, it, is the Mrs and Mr Guest, are they there? Does he have parents? Does he have any... Any uh, siblings? Does he have brothers and sisters and people like that? Cousins? Who are his family? He's kept all that side of his life quiet. Because I think you're going to find out that a lot of his uh, stuff was plenty of old, the old ball stuff. I bet you anything. 84850steve@lbc.co.uk. Jay and Carly, yes. And apparently they tied loops to the lightning conductor and climbed up bit by bit, says Julian. Go on, blimey. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm really, I'm really not remotely interested. I quite like Greenpeace. I think they're sometimes a bit stupid. And this was stupid because somebody could have fallen off. Uh, we interviewed the girl who'd climbed to the top. I mean, I felt ill even looking at it. I got ill when they showed it on the television, when they had Blue Peter, who used to climb up there. And I thought, nothing on God's earth. You know, I could be, I could be attached to horses, and they could tell me they could hold a two-ton elephant, but nothing would get me to go up. Now, I can't even stand on a chair. I mean, I'm that bad with heights. I'm really chronically awful. So when you watch these people yesterday climbing up the side of it and the police just standing there, I thought, I mean, wh- why are we just letting them climb up it? Because they, d- they are risking their life. Do we not have a duty of care? Apparently not anymore. But as I say, I just thought it was a total breach of security, especially when they managed to, in front of Buckingham Palace, with police officers, with police officers standing there, in front of, Bu- what, what were they doing about it? Nothing. Nothing at all. 
Nothing at all. But there again, you know, police officers at the front of Buckingham Palace, they aren't the brightest. I think they put them there when they're kind of just about to pension them off. Because you remember that man who managed to get into the palace some years ago and uh, climbed over, got into the palace, sat on the Queen's bed. And the Queen is pushing the panic button in her bedroom and the police at the front gate, blissfully unaware of anything. A bit like the BBC, Jimmy Savile, abusing. No, no, we don't know anything about that at all. <coughs> and um, and that's how, it, uh, that's how it went. Ridiculous, isn't it, really, when you think about it? And, so, and they got into a bit of Parliament, into the bit where they shouldn't have been, and they managed to climb... I mean, were, were the police just asleep? Hopefully they would have been listening to LBC, and then, they, then we could tell you what's going on out there in the capital. We saw it on the cameras. Obviously a little bit quicker than the police, who didn't seem to see anything at all and just, uh, and just sort of stood there. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, you said on your show yesterday about 6.20. Oh, God, don't you worry about people who go. You said it at 6.20. I was listening uh, with my aged mother. She was just about to uh, take her morning feed of liquidised milk and Weetabix. And it was 6.22, I think, when you precisely said that uh, you don't see ducks in central London. Yeah. Well, you don't. Now, apparently, it's getting warm in the mornings. You are having a laugh, aren't you? It's like minus two out there. Warm in the mornings. Where are you coming from? It says, if you fancy a treat after your show, you're not going to climb Nelson's column and fall off, are you? That would be a bit of a treat for us this morning, but no. And you've got no interviews. Get a loaf of sliced bread and a bag of monkey nuts and have a walk down to St James's Park. Well, feed ducks. What do you end up with? Fat ducks. When I said that we don't get ducks in central London, they were in... Leicester Square, paddling around in the fountain. We don't get ducks in the fountain. I'm quite well aware that in St James's Park and all the other parks, they've got ducks. But if you seriously think I've got nothing better than to go and buy a loaf of bread and some monkey nuts and go down there and feed fat ducks... I mean, we watched the other day. My producer and I stood by the bus stop. Yes, we're common. Yes, we've, we've been on buses with working-class people, and we've sat there, and we watched about... Ten pigeons fighting over chips. Somebody had obviously had a, had a box of, could have been chicken and chips or something, and then decided that they couldn't be bothered to walk to the rubbish bin, so they threw it on the ground. And the pigeons are fighting over it. We must have had about 15 pigeons fighting over chips. Because they can't eat them, so what they've got to do is they've got to throw them in the air, and then when they fall to the ground, it breaks a bit off, and then they can eat it. Well, it was, it was the most entertaining five minutes we'd ever had waiting for a bus, watching pigeons eating chips. But there you go. There are other exciting things in life, and you're about to hear them now, because it's 4... Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. Dean says, the big company knows your number, not the driver. No, I've had the drivers phone me before now. Absolutely, I've had the drivers phone me. They, they have my number. They have all the details. They've got my postcode, they've got everything, and they've got my phone number. Because I've had phone calls from the drivers before. Uh, somebody said, wear, wear some lights, then they won't miss you. Well, I know. I mean, I, sometimes I have had a little torch in my hand. But, you know, that's my business. Uh, Peter reckons that these people have cli- climbed the shard before now. I feel physically ill. As I say, I can't do heights. I can't do anything like that. And I'm sure it's absolutely wonderful. But to be honest with you, you know, the, the gas mask could have been a bomb. Quite easily. I mean, absolutely. Somebody could have climbed into that uh, park next to Parliament, which is supposed to be maximum security. They could actually get into the park at about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and climb up onto a statue. And the police... Nothing. I'm not even sure that the police were aware. I'm seriously not even sure that the police were aware they were there. As I say, in Trafalgar Square, they watched them. But, you know, they might have said, oh, it's Greenpeace. OK, fine, OK. 
It could have, they, they, they could have been people with bombs strapped to themselves, couldn't they? they could, it could have been anything at all. That's why I, I question the security aspect of it. You know, which I thought was, uh, was highly dangerous. Highly dangerous. So, uh, I agree with everybody else who says it could quite easily have been a bomb. Well, that's what, you know, we're expecting. We're supposed to be on heightened alert. And so eight people get arrested because, you know, but only when they came down. Only when they came down, not when they went up. Uh, what was the other story I was going to bring in? Apart from the, uh, apart from the Liza Minnelli uh, story, she's claiming she didn't say anything at all. She's claiming she hasn't said anything. She said she would never talk about David Guest. She loathed him so much. Not at all surprised. But he only hung around with Z-listers who were so desperate for their own oxygen of publicity. So hence the Lizzie Cundies. Have you ever read her column? It's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever read. I mean, seriously. It's just, it's some poor old has-been going out there who's a bit miffed when her husband dumped her. And then she goes to parties and then writes, oh, I bumped into so... It's people you've never heard of. It's all her dreary Z-list friends. Actually, on the, on the subject, though, very quickly, of the, uh, of the Kelvin McKenzie column and the girl from Googlebox who complained about being fattest, uh, about being fat and all the rest of it. The reason he'd said she was fat... Uh, and the reason I said that she was wrong to complain about it, because she sits there criticising other people with no right to do it, he's allowed to do it. It's called free speech. You know, and if she's overweight, tell her she's overweight. I commented the other day on Kerry Katona's daughter, who was pictured in, I think, Closer magazine or New magazine, 15 years old. She is literally twice the size of Kerry Katona at 15. So as you look at her and you think, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. There's no good sort of not telling somebody they're overweight. You know, it's like somebody saying to me, you're overweight. And I go, you're telling me something I know. It doesn't bother me. You know, somebody goes, oh, you're fat. I said, so? At least I'm aware of it. I'm quite aware of it. I'm not one of these people to tell me, oh, don't call me fat, and all that kind of dreary old attention-seeking. She's on the television, quite clearly because she wants to watch herself. She She doesn't contribute anything to normal human life. She's not a role model for anybody at all. And the reason that she was uh, talking about it is because she's been to the doctor for a diabetes test. Now, either you go to the doctor thinking you've got diabetes or you haven't got diabetes. You don't just go there thinking, oh, I think I'll go and check if I've got diabetes. Because you'll know if you're ill. You know, I'm not, I'm not preaching to, the, uh, to the, the, you know, the patently obvious to everybody nowadays, but I've told you before that if you are overweight, uh, if you smoke... If you drink, but if you are, you know, quite a bit overweight, there is a good chance, and if it runs in your family, or you're Asian or Afro-Caribbean, there is a good chance you could become diabetic. It runs through a lot of different cultures. I told you I had a driver once, black guy, and he, he used to say to me, he used to always turn up with triple thick milkshakes. And I said, what are you drinking these for? And he said, well, I like them. I said, but you're diabetic, you're not supposed to drink. Even I don't drink things like that. And I'm not a particularly brilliant diabetic. But she goes to the doctor to have a diabetes test. And I said, well, you know you're diabetic. I can tell you now. Do you get up to go to the toilet more than six times in a night? You're diabetic. Okay, I'll tell you that. I'll save you going to the doctor, but you should go anyway and get a test. And that's what it is. That's what it is. It's, it's whether, you, whether you pee for the country or not. And it's overnight. Whether you sweat a lot overnight if it's you know middle of winter and you're still sweating the chances are you're diabetic so go and get a test it's very simple i i you know i I test my blood every morning this morning it wasn't particularly brilliant i'm going to be shouted at by my diabetic nurse later on today because i'm supposed to be doing sixes and sevens and i don't know where it's going wrong but i mean today i did a 13 and that's before i'd even done anything on the program god knows what it's going to be now at the moment but it was 13 the uh, the count i'm supposed to be i mean the other day we got down to a 9.7 which i looked on as a bit of a bonus but uh, we're trying to bring it down more because it's obviously got a little bit out of control. So we'll wait and see. But uh, what with the sore throat and all the other bits and pieces going on in the world and the blasted cab driver this morning, I thought I've just about lost the will to live. But uh, not just yet, because I...
because I'm here until 6.30, which is always good news. 84850, uh, By the way, Steve, ducks shouldn't eat bread. I know, I, don't, I, I should have remembered that, actually. Uh, it kills them. It kills them. They, they bloat with, with the bread because people think, oh, ducks eat bread. Well, they don't. They don't. I think people should be prosecuted for feeding ducks and for feeding pigeons. I think for feeding pigeons, definitely. I think definitely. I think you definitely have to sort of chase these people up. Uh, on the subject of the of the voice of the year, the radio voice of the year, do you remember this one that came up in the Radio Times? Apparently the results will be published in either today's or next Tuesday's edition of the Radio Times. Well, as I've not heard anything, I don't think it's likely to be me. And Val says, so if any listener is popping out for an early visit to the corner shop before the end of the show, perhaps they could check for you. Yes, you think they actually get sort of one... One, two and three or something like that. There was 20 of us, wasn't there? 20 of us uh, on the uh, the men and 20 of uh, the ladies of uh, the most popular voices in the country. I'm grateful to have made the list, actually. So I said, listen, it would be the miracle beyond all miracles. But, you know, if we managed to get in the top five, I thought that'd be quite cute. But I looked at some of the voices on there and they're all terribly well-known people. I'm j- just me, aren't I? Uh, Steve, my mum used to have milk and Weetabix for breakfast every day. Uh, Jane says, you're very funny, but a bit scary. Oh, I can be very scary, Jane. Very, very scary. OK. Let's <sighs> have a quick check. Uh, I'm a professional private hire driver working for a company, says Mike. And uh, he says, I, I, could, I could provide you with a professional, reliable service. It's the, the, the trouble is, it's, I have to be absolutely guaranteed a car because I can't afford to be late in the morning. That's the problem. That's why we're with this company, because we were with this, this company before. And so that's that's why, actually, because, you know, I mean, I would never use Uber uh, and I wouldn't use a local firm because they couldn't guarantee it. It's all right when I don't have any interviews to do because I could probably drive myself in. But uh, it's, it's got to be the reliability. And so far, they do turn up every day, whether they find me as uh, as always. I don't know. Angela says on David Guest, quite sad, the hanger honours. Yes. I relocated for a great job and found out I was living with the enemy, another woman who faked loads of issues. This included flooding the house we rented, saying we had an intruder, and if there was an odder bod, I'd be a millionaire. You do get... Is it my imagination, or are there more more odd people out there than we've ever seen before? I mean, I know you think you're probably listening to a fairly odd person on the radio, but do you not think, when you walk down the street... I mean, at one time, I thought they were all mad, because people were talking to themselves. And then I realised they were actually on their telephones, but they were frightened to hold the telephone up to their ear so they were using one of these little things and they were talking into it they hold it in front of them it's like people who walk i mean i still can't get over the fact that people get off a train at waterloo station and just about loads of other places reading a book seriously they get off the train read well of course i deliberately trip them up i can't help it it's just something in me i see somebody walking towards me and i immediately get my foot out and whoops oh you've fallen over what a shame you know you have to do that who seriously walks along Unless they've got some sort of illness. Reading a book. Or failing that, what was the other thing I saw? Somebody reading the uh, the Metro. Getting off the train, walking through. Hundreds of people streamed, and this person's reading the Metro. These people are mad as broomsticks, aren't they, really? And uh, 84850. Neil says that lardy woman who thinks she's a role model, does she actually mean a roly-poly model? Well, it's, I don't understand. If she's concerned about her image, which she must be because of the amount of makeup she trowels on and the fake hair she's stuck on her head, why would she not be worried about that gut round her middle? I mean, seriously, you know, if, 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 I mean, she's not a role model. There, there's no such thing as, as role models. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I can't think. Can you think of any role models? People that you go, oh, you're a role, you know, they used to say, I don't know, trying, the Kardashians were role models. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. They never are. Kanye West is a role model. To who? To who would be a role model? You know, David Bowie was a role model. To whom? It was hero worship. 
Elton John and David Furnish. Are they role models? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm, I'm slightly disturbed by all these people who seem to think that they are role models for young people. What's that mean? I can understand if you've sort of, if it's a radio presenter, I can understand that bit. I can, I can understand the idea that if you're a radio presenter, not if you're not a radio presenter, but if you're a radio presenter, you listen to other radio presenters and you go, oh, I quite like that presenter. But because I'm the least radio person you'll ever meet, I know lots of radio presenters, but I don't listen to the radio. Because I always think, if I listen to something, I'm worried that I'm going to be influenced by it. I mean, to be honest with you, at this late stage in my career, huh, it's a career. Uh, I, I never think to myself I've been influenced by anybody else. Whereas I've heard lots of sound-alikes over the years of people who were big fans of a guy called Roger Scott. You know, anybody like anybody had a very distinctive voice. People, you know, Roger Scott was yeesh. He used to talk like, but it was it was it was music radio. Whereas speech radio, I don't know what I'm looking for. I've really got no idea. It depends whether or not you think they're actually winding callers up, which is what I quite like actually. I quite like uh, the other Danny Cohen says, uh, and he says, as you pointed out, Dave. Oh, I'll take a break. I miss, I miss my out times every year. I tell you what, I'll do. I'll, I'll be I'll be good on this one. And Danny, I'll come back to you in uh, in a moment. Okay, because it's quarter. To- Steve Allen, tweet at LBC. So just going back to uh, to Danny Cohen, he says, As you pointed out, Steve, David Guest would always drop names of his celebrity friends, but, and taking it was usually on the A-list, who are no longer living, thus making it impossible to verify anything he said. Well, he did, he did manage to get to his wedding Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor, but I suspect they were probably there for Liza Minnelli. I suspect they were probably there because of the Judy Garland link. I shouldn't imagine David Guest, you know, was that sort of person. However, do you think, he says, that those on the Z list who are going to his funeral are doing the same to him as he did to us? We'll never know if they ever met him as on the A-list that David Guest would drop. How can we confirm anything now he's passed on? Maybe they've been reading that brilliant book, So You Want to Be a Celebrity, and using the opportunity to boost their profiles. Changing now my middle name to Cynical, so it's Danny Cynical Cohen. <laughs> it is true, though, isn't it? It's, I mean, once somebody dies... It's very easy to say, oh, yes, you know, I used to speak to them all the time. You know, I, I remember saying on this programme, uh, you know, after Diana died, of course, she was a regular listener to my programme on LBC. She would sometimes send a text in, you know, and uh, say, hi, Steve, still listening, D. You know, and uh, we, we corresponded like that. Now, I can sit down and give you chapter and verse on the relationship that Diana and I had. And you don't know if it's true or not. You just have to take my word that because I'm an honest person... Uh, I'm telling the truth, that she used to listen to this programme. She did used to listen to a music station, but then she changed her allegiance because she loved a bit of gossip. She loved it. She would feed me little bits of gossip about what was going on in the palace and everything else. And I, I was discreet. I was good. While she was alive, I never said a word. The moment she died, I was singing like a canary. I couldn't wait to tell you enough about my friendship with Diana. And the late Queen Mother and I, I mean, we were like two peas in a pod. She'd sometimes phone me up and in her funny little voice, like that. She'd say, tea. And so I'd, I'd go round there for a cup of tea and we'd have a, we'd have a fairy cake. That was very, very interesting. And uh, we'd have a laugh about what was going on at the palace and who everybody had fallen out with and why nobody liked Sarah Ferguson and uh, why Prince Andrew was a bit of a dead weight and why his two daughters were definitely a dead weight. And then uh, Princess Edward, Prince Edward, uh, was the one who nobody thought he'd ever get married and then he married Sophie Wessex and, and that's gone really well. And we used to have a good old laugh about it. Now, I can tell you stories about the royal family till the cows come home and you can either choose to believe me or not, but every, everybody surprisingly managed to believe David Guest. Although, as I say, do you know anything about him? No. What do you know about David Guest? He knew Kerry Katona. 
This is somebody says to me, lay off Kerry Katona. That's always threatening, isn't it? Lay off Kerry Katona. Believe you me, she certainly doesn't enter my inner sanctum. They said she does a lot of work for charity. I would not disagree. She has done more for the cocaine business in this country than anybody else. She spoke about it to her children. She spoke about it on television. She has done more for that. In- Up until then, I had no idea what it turned you into. And having seen her. And having seen the way her useless life has turned out, believe you me, I'm avoiding it like the plague. But there were lots of people in Colombia who are so grateful for Kerry for raising the profile of cocaine. Thank you so much for sitting down with your daughters at 11, 12 and 13 and discussing how Mummy had shoved half of Colombia up her nose. That was fascinating and really good parenting, I thought. So every time I see the dreary old baggage on the television, I think to myself, why don't you just go and live in Colombia? Do us all a bloody favour. 8850, Stephen lbc.co.uk and the Roman Villa I got I got a bit excited about the Roman Villa which has been found in a garden in Wiltshire it's supposedly the biggest in this country it's covered over at the moment because we can't afford to dig it up and if I had a Roman Villa sitting in a field of a property that I might or might not have out near Highgrove. Don't want to say too much about it. Quite close to my close friend, Prince Charles. On the way to be still alive. Can't use that one. OK, let's go back to Diana again. Yeah, Diana used to come and visit my house in the country, in Malmesbury, which was nice. And so, if I had a villa there, I'd be getting round the British Museum. I'd be calling every single body and, and getting them round there to help me dig up this villa and to show us exactly what's under the ground. I mean, that's the most exciting thing. Whereas I laughed in the paper... Uh, there was a little piece on poor old Jodie Marsh. That's Jodie, tattooed Jodie, exhibitionist Jodie, no talent. Jodie crying, Jodie not crying. Jodie showing off, Jodie getting married. Jodie just being stupid, really. And then she said, after she sent out a Twitter about the collapse of her marriage after a few months, um, I'm not answering any questions on this. Uh, can you respect my privacy? I thought, what, the woman who's courted the media? Nobody's interested, dear. Nobody, seriously, you could fall off the end of South End Pier and I wouldn't be launching the lifeboat to save you. I'd just be thinking maybe your huge breasts could actually float you into shore again. I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get. And so, you know, when, when she says, I shan't be talking about it, you bet your bottom dollar she will be. I bet you. She'll put money on it. OK magazine, Closer magazine, New, Now, any other magazines you can think of, Titbits, you know, Forgotten Heroes R Us magazine, you know, useless wastes of space. You know, what is she talented for? Absolutely nothing, as they said in that song. And so uh, she will be singing, and she'll be singing uh, for money to tell you all about her dreary existence, like anybody cares. Seriously, an embarrassment of a person. Really, I don't, you know, I worry about it. Anyway, Peter says, uh, somebody said it would be uh, too expensive to excavate, so the landowners just refused permission. I mean, I'd make tea for them all day long, actually, I think. I would make tea for them to go out there. But he doesn't want people traipsing across his land. And I could understand that. He's, he's sort of quite private. But I would have thought that people really would have uh, gone out of their way. The British Museum, why have they said nothing? I wanted the British Museum to say something and to say, you know, we're going to go down there, we're going to fund this and we're going to sort of, you know, unearth this and do as much as we can and it's going to be absolutely wonderful. That's what I want to see. I want to see pictures of it. I don't want to see pictures of Jodie Marsh and Kerry Cokehead. I don't want pictures of that. I want to see pictures of a Roman villa. Far more entertaining, far more interesting in this uh, day and age. Nicola of uh, Whetstone, good morning. Nice to have your company today. And uh, what was that? Oh, yes, yeah, so if anybody finds out about this Radio Voice of the Year, which, what are we up to now? The 19th. Oh, dear, honestly. It's going to be very interesting, isn't it? It's going to be people writing. It'd be so funny, actually. If we get in the top ten, I'll be happy. There's 20 of them. I don't want to come in at number 20. 
I couldn't cope with that. That would be that'd be very disappointing. <laughs> very disappointing. Uh, Barry is in Bootle on Merseyside. Don't you ever feel ashamed about saying that? My name's Barry from Bootle. You know, it just it just doesn't sound as exciting. I've never been to Bootle. I'm sure it's lovely. Uh, Peter says, and uh, another one here. Uh, it says uh, one in four on the streets are on Prozac, but uh, some other antidepressant. Oh, right. The 2016 Radio Voice of the Year was Kevin Sims, says Tony. That'll be for The Voice, dear. That's, that's the singing competition, all right? God, blimey, honestly. Are these people... I, why do I get the medicated ones in the morning? Why can't I get somebody who's out of hospital and been clean for a few months? That'd be good. Dom and Dom, listening at uh, Chariots, says, uh, if you need a high-vis jacket, I've got a spare security jacket. I might need one because they don't see me. Uh, uh, Dean says, please, drivers do not have your number. Uh, they phoned me before. The driver has phoned me. I'm outside. The driver had my number. I'm telling you. I can only. I don't tell lies. I don't need to tell lies, Dean. I'm just telling you what what uh, what happened. And uh, James says, just to lighten the mood. Uh, now the year's progressing. Have you committed to the switching on of the lights yet? No, I did them last year. I've done the lights uh, three times round, actually. Three, three times. It's either three or four times. I can't remember actually. But I think they need to uh, to find somebody else. <laughs> then I think that would uh, that would be just about right. You think somebody else can can do it, and uh, let them have the uh, the enjoyment of doing it. Uh, Tina in South Wales says, "I'm trying to think of a celebrity who I would consider a role model. I can't think of anybody. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anybody. You know, when they say somebody's a role model, you know, I can say I like. I don't know actually. I really don't know. I don't, a role model. A role model would be somebody, wouldn't it, that you sort of model your life on." Somebody that you look up to, somebody that you that has been influential in your life, and I can't think of anybody like that, of, of the, which which probably makes it quite bad actually, because I mean I'm, tr- I'm tr- trying to wrap my brains. Who would I think of if somebody was going to be a role model for Steve Allen? Not going to be Weight Watchers, is it? That's a fact. So who would be a role model? Who would be a role model? Would it be another radio presenter? Would it be? I mean I've got lots of friends in the business, but I can't think of any because they're all younger than I am, which I find deeply depressing. Deeply depressing. You always think, would it be somebody sort of old? And every time I open up the papers, there's somebody else of my age who's died, which I don't, uh, which I don't get off on at all. Have you ever seen a show on Channel Five, Steve, called "Can't Pay, We'll Take It Away"? Yes, yes. I ha- wait a minute. Have I? Can't pay, we'll take it away. I've seen a program which has got some bailiffs who actually go in. And they come round. This might be a similar sort of thing. The last show showed a Somalian woman who answered the phone in perfect English when the High Court officer turned up to evict her. She couldn't... Oh, it's the eviction pro. Yes, I have seen that one. Aren't they terribly polite? Aren't the men who are doing it terribly polite? In fact, almost too polite. They just sort of come in and go, listen, uh, you've got a High Court writ. We've got a High Court... They're very softly spoken, which seems to work. We've got a High Court writ to evict you because, uh, well, basically you're a crook and you haven't paid any money towards your rent. Uh, Well, I'm not working or all this kind of thing. And they sit there thinking that nobody's going to turn up. Whereas, in fact, they've had the High Court order. They've had all the bits and pieces. There was one couple, Romanian... And they started speaking in Romanian without realising that it was being filmed. And all they do is they put a translation up. And the translation was, don't help these pigs at all. And uh, take everything, leave them nothing. And I thought, yeah. And of course, what happens is they get kicked out and then they go to the council. The council house them again. These people don't, you know, they're all, they're all on the old backhanders. There's more backhanders going on in this country than I've ever seen before. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and I've, I've seen a situation before of one man who actually used to have a business in Twickenham and it blew up. And he spoke perfect English. When the police arrived to quiz him, magically, he all of a sudden discovered he couldn't speak English at all. 
So they had to bring in a, an interpreter at what cost? It's just called playing the system, isn't it? It's called playing the system. Eventually they get caught out. I'm very disappointed in the fact that Scylla Black has got a new headstone. I'm not disappointed in the fact she's got a new headstone. I'm disappointed in the fact that the original bronze memorial plaque was stolen. What lowlife steals from somebody's grave? What person would actually steal? So they put something else in there, and it's now got um, uh, words from her song, Step Inside Love, You're My World, and Alfie. And uh, she's at Liverpool's Allerton Cemetery. She was 72. Uh, thieves stole the original bronze memorial plaque last December. Isn't that the worst thing ever? I can't imagine. I, I can't think of what I'd like to do to somebody who actually steals from a cemetery. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's tantamount, as far as I'm concerned, to swinging on the cenotaph. That's about as bad as it gets. It doesn't get any worse than that. Steve, I had a car pick me up to take me to the airport for work. I was standing outside at 3am, drives past looking at me, parks up the road, shines a torch at my elderly neighbour's house and knocks on the door. <laughs> it does, it's amazing, isn't it, really? It is amazing. I mean, I mean, perhaps I should go out there and start being a, a driver. I think I could be marginally better than some of the, uh, the people I've had recently. Uh, oh, look, lovely, another lovely picture of uh, Victoria Showoff Beckham and the little girl as well going through an airport. There's lighting everywhere. It's not pitch dark, but for some reason, Harper Beckham's wearing dark glasses. Is this so Mummy can go, you're a star, you're a star, you're a star, think about it. Cruz is a star, and and uh, Brooklyn isn't a star, but he sort of is going... He's at Cochise, uh, or whatever they call it now, this sort of music festival. Everybody goes there, don't they? Everybody goes there. I will tell you about the village. They're really, really fed up. They're really fed up. The reason they're fed up is because people park in their village, because it's free parking, and then go off to the airport. Well, I tell you, if I was the council, I'd be painting yellow lines there as quickly as possible. Coming up shortly, the news at five. The four candles were out for Ronnie Corbett the other day. Uh, Police say Maddie could still be alive. Well, I say the police. One police officer says she could be. Well, of course, I mean, that's hedging your bets, isn't it? Of course, she could be. She could also be on the moon. She could also be not alive. But uh, he's saying she could be. Uh, The curse of fly tipping. Uh, The overweight girl from Gogglebox. Uh, The palace... Find two charity jobs for the boys to do this week. Whether they'll achieve anything, I've got no idea. One of them involves going to a film set. Very exciting. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to four minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Tuesday, the 19th of April. Lazy day today, I've decided. Lazy day. Johnny Depp's video, the apology uh, on the war on his terriers, which were flown over there. It was just a very bad piece of bad acting. I can't quite understand it. They drag him all the way back there. They could have done it over a, over a link, couldn't they? If they weren't going to charge him with it. It was just a little fine, I think. Uh, one police officer says Madeleine McCann could still be alive and every paper's picked up on it. So we'll go into that one in a moment. Also, the Three in a Bed Stars million pound gag uh, to stop the name coming out. They reckon by tomorrow you could know the name. It depends whether he wants to take it uh, further and spend more money. But everybody else knows about it, don't they? I mean, does it really matter, as we pointed out the other day? I mean, by the time you get to this story, and, you know, you can go to America, you can get a friend of yours to send you a copy of the magazine. You can go to Northern Ireland and get a copy of the magazine. You can go to Canada and get a copy of the magazine. You can read all about it. You're going to be so bored 
Seriously, because you're going to be going, oh, well, we knew about that. We knew about that. I mean, to be honest with you, the fact that, you know, these people have an open relationship is of no interest to anybody. What somebody gets up to, you know, if it's if it's a minister and he know, it turns out not to be married and he likes the company of dominatrix or, um, or so-called page three booby girls, which is, uh, having seen the pictures yesterday in the paper, I tell you, I'll get your money back straight away. You know, you, you think to yourself, they're old enough. If they're over the, the legal age, what difference it make? Although there is a story in the paper today. Now, I always thought in this country, if you have uh, sex with somebody who is underage, and by underage, I'm talking about somebody of, uh, of maybe 15. That's underage, as far as I'm concerned, in this country. And we've seen cases of people who've been sent to prison. So how do we deal? I mean, this, is, this comes back to this age-old question of why are the courts so different in this country? We had a case a short while ago of a famous footballer who was uh, earning £60,000 a week, who got carried away and, uh, and ended up interfering with a girl who was underage. And so, quite rightly, he got sent to prison and branded a paedophile. How, then, do we allow Private Jack Burnett, 19, who slept with... He actually slept with... He had sex with a 15-year-old girl, uh, was spared jail after his lawyers said it would cause him difficulty in the army. And so this story makes all the papers today. The, the cadet victim told her parents, and he was then arrested at his barracks. His lawyer said that uh, he's a team medic, and incarceration would cause him difficulties in the army. He admitted sexual activity with a person under 16 and got a suspended sentence. So how can you have somebody who has sex with a 15-year-old, has sex with a 15-year-old? If you remember, the footballer didn't actually have sex with a 15-year-old. He interfered with her, and he's been called a paedophile. This soldier had a girlfriend and had sex with this other girl behind the back of his girlfriend, who he'd got pregnant when she, too, was 15. Two 15-year-olds, and they go, this can harm his career as a medic in the army. What? How does that happen? How does that happen? I just do not know. Army chiefs will now consider if his conviction means he must quit. It's normal, is it, to join the army with a paedophile conviction? I mean, I have to hold my hands up on this one. I don't know what sort of people we're letting into the army, but sex with two 15-year-olds, I would have thought... And up until now, this man's not been named. He's named in every single paper today, mainly because the papers can't get their head around how we jail a footballer for, for interfering with a 15-year-old. This man's had sex with them. And he's still out there, and the army decide whether or not they're going to kick him out. I mean, either, you know, you're having sex with 15-year-olds and you're a paedophile, or you're not having sex with 15-year-olds. He did have, so he's a paedophile, he's a pervert. And yet he's been let off jail because it might harm his army career. Pfft, blimey. Well, I tell you, the stranger things in heaven and earth. Small wonder nobody actually understands how the court system works in this country. I've really got no idea. I thought that it would be exactly the same, no matter where in the country you were, you were taken to court. Because it's in the army. They say, you know, it's, it's OK, uh, we'll just give you a suspended sentence. What? I think now this has hit the papers big time. They're going to be campaigning for this one, really. Doesn't surprise me, Steve, somebody pinching Silla's headst headstone. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, really, I shouldn't be actually surprised myself. I really shouldn't be surprised. I just find it a bit distasteful, a bit distasteful. You know, I mean, I, I think, actually, uh, you know, when you look at somebody who would steal from a cemetery... I think that just about is as scuzzy as you're going to get, isn't it? Lovely to hear you yesterday, Steve, and uh, this is Gail, on about the ideal world presenters. I thought it was just me. Three presenters that I truly can't stand. There's Mike Mason, 
who came from Bid Up TV, Sally Jacks, both shouty and screamy, and Hayley Green. I don't know Hayley Green. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what she does. They, they have, I mean, most of them on there, I think there's a couple who are really funny on Ideal World. There's one woman on there, and I thought she was brilliant. And then when they, they took on Sally Jacks, I thought they'd dumbed down a bit. And Mike Mason, as I say, looks so he's well out of his depth. And he shouts as well. He doesn't understand how microphones work. And Sally Jacks has got no idea how microphones work. She's just odd. There's something the matter with her. She's just peculiar. And uh, it's terrible. Nearly as bad, says Gail, as I'm Barry Scott. Bang! And the dirt is gone. Yes, we all have figures, don't we, on the television. You could probably come up with a list of people that are very, very annoying on the television. And uh, I don't actually have a problem with, uh, hi, I'm Barry Scott. Because I, d- I don't really believe it anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. But when you get the uh, the people... On the uh, on the television, I tell you who can be very irritating. Richard Jackson on QVC can be very irritating because he insists on he butts in over and he cannot keep quiet. Now I know because I used to work with Richard Jackson years ago. So all he's done is he's just got worse. He's just got worse about it, and he's sort of he's flogging his own stuff. And it's obviously made him very very successful. You see, I want more of Christine Walkton on the television. We used to call her the compost queen because uh, she was very good at things like that. But uh, but some of them. And, and Barry, uh, but there's loads of people who used to be on it. They all started on LBC. All started on LBC. And uh, then they gradually sort of move on to, the, uh, on to the television. A friend of mine who works in this building said to me today, he said, would you like to come on Pointless with me? I said, now, bearing in mind, if I, t- if I just, I, I won't tell you who this person is, but um, <clears throat> I'm sort of fairly rotund, and he's very tall and very, very slim. I mean, seriously slim. There's nothing of him. Uh, and he said, would you like to go on Pointless with me? So it wasn't the intelligent thing I was worried about. It's the fact that I, we're going to look a little and large. And I didn't, I didn't quite fancy the idea, so I said, I think not. But he's desperate to go on it because he loves the programme. He thinks it's absolutely the best thing ever on the television. I quite like it, but I find um, the bloke who does the quiz questions, you know, the bloke who sits by the computer, a little bit irritating. A little bit irritating. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Kirsty is short. And then that's her surname, or she's just not tall. But she's Birmingham trained and part of the NHS brain drain to Australia ten years ago. Born in Watford. You poor soul, honestly. She says, at the moment, I'm currently walking around Grayson Perry's exhibition at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney, trying to stop myself from laughing out loud. <laughs> Look in the mirror. That'll help, I always think. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, it's another week, says Elaine. I've downloaded the Radio Times and the results of the voice competition have not been published. Well, I've heard nothing. You think by now they might give you a heads up, mind you, say, can we come around and take a flattering picture of you? But it's not happened. So I'm not, uh, I'm not holding my breath on it, but thank you, Elaine, very much indeed. It's always nice to know, isn't it, what's going... This is this, for those of you who missed it, not that you could have missed it at the time, because I banged on about it forever and a day, because I was a bit excited, that the Radio Times did a competition to find the best love voice in the country. And, uh, I mean, had it been Terry Wogan on there, he'd have walked it, I should imagine. And so they put down... They, they come out with a list of 20 people, and I happened to be on it. Don't ask me how. Well, I've had I've got a rough idea how. Anyway, so that, that was quite nice. And then... You know, people had to, to vote. So I got loads of people voting. People out of, a, I think, a sense of sympathy decided that if they voted for Steve Allen, you know, it might keep him off the airwaves a bit longer. And, um, and there were loads of famous people on there. Some I haven't heard of, but I'd heard a lot of them. And they, they were famous. They were people who've got interesting radio voices. And I don't know what makes an interesting radio voice. I think just being yourself. I did used to want years ago to have a butch radio voice. You know, and to make it sound uh, terribly sexy. And then I thought, it just doesn't work, does it, really? Some people are good like that. And then you can go into music. So for some of our stations here, that, that would be absolutely ideal. Not for me, though. 
Not for me. So, you know, if I manage to get in, in the top five, although I've, I've changed that now, if I think I've managed to get in the top ten, I'll be quite excited. <laughs> if I come in the top 20, it'll be brilliant. Uh, so, uh, and I shall probably milk it to death, but that's about as good as it's going to get. Uh, other stories, Robson Green. You remember Robson Green goes off to a gym and uh, he discovers this woman in there and they, uh, they have an instant attraction. Turns out she's a vicar's wife. And, um, and so the, uh, the wife sits down with the vicar and says, listen, I'm terribly sorry, I'm leaving you, goodbye, uh, even though they've got two children, and I'm going off with Robson Green. And so they've done a piece in the paper today of how Randy Robson steals women on his extreme fishing expeditions. They call them sex-stream fishing exhibitions. And I have to be honest, I've interviewed Robson Green on about three or four occasions. He's very, very, very sexy. You can understand why women would fall over themselves. He loves a challenge. He's an adrenaline, adrenaline junkie. And I think he would see women as a bit of a challenge for him. He would, it's a case of, I'm going to see if I can win you over. A friend of mine said something to me the other day, which I won't repeat on the programme because you might think it's a bit rude, but he likes a challenge as well. He likes a challenge. And I think for Robson Green, it, does, it comes like a lot of people, doesn't it? I think a lot of people who go out to nightclubs, they see somebody and they go, I wonder how long it will take to pick that person up. You know, and, and I mean, I never did that. I never did that. I think that was... A, although I do actually have a sort of... I, I do have a, a strategy, which I suppose everybody must have nowadays. But it, but it's interesting, isn't it, that they now go, oh, he's an adrenaline junkie and he, he likes chatting up people and doing... And I thought, it would like everybody else. There's nothing different, is there, in, in what he's doing than, than what anybody else is doing. Other stories in the papers. Oh, the, um, the amount of people telling me about Prosecco yesterday. Even Graham at Cheney's phoned up to tell me about the Prosecco. And I said, don't worry, the boot's full of it. The boot's full of it. Uh, every paper, Charlotte uh, Crosby, who swapped her McDonald's for trying to flog you a weight loss thing. I'll tell you, if it, these, these things, they come and go, don't they? Next year, there'll be somebody else and she'll have disappeared completely. Uh, what do we have here? Just very quickly here. Winds and wine. Cambridge? No. And a Geordie shaw size hangover with Charlotte Crosby, Holly Hagen, Sophie Cassell and Chloe Ferry. My God, I tell you, don't you really don't want to go to Newcastle. It is the land of just, my God, there's some gross-looking people up there, aren't there? Oh, you're going to get nakedness on the television. And uh, I don't know why people make a big deal, <coughs> excuse me, about, about people being naked on the television. It's like sort of people, you know, have you never seen naked people? I have to worry about that. You know, whether or not people have actually seen anybody naked in their life. They go, oh, look, there's full frontal nudity on this. And you think, yeah, well, that'll just be somebody with no clothes on. Mind you, I've never quite understood why you'd want to go to a place called Cap Darge, which is a whole town which is all full of naked people. And so you push your trolley around the supermarket and everybody start naked. Except the cashiers. The cashiers are fully clothed. Must be most bizarre, mustn't it? I don't know how you push a trolley around if you start naked. <clears throat> Perhaps with your hands or not. It's uh, quarter past five. Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. News breaking this time. It would appear some people are trying to scale Nelson's column. One of the protesters who scaled the top of Nelson's column, Alison Gallagher, joins me now. You obviously have no nervousness about heights then. Oh no, I'm petrified of heights. <laughs> no, you're not, are you? Seriously? No, I really am. Luke's laughing at me now. I've, I've, you know, I can keep it under control, but it's scary. I imagine they will know by this point in the day, but I didn't tell them before, no. LBC's Tom Swarbrick. Looks like Alison is now coming down. She is now down. Touchdown. Alison Gallagher a small round of applause from some of the commuters who are gathered here to watch her come down. Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from 7 only on LBC.
like to know what that little caper cost us sending out the ambulances and the police cars to stand under there and treating them as if they're some sort of heroes. On Nick Ferrari at breakfast, George Osborne says Treasury analysis finds UK tax receipts would be £36 billion a year lower after 15 years if Britain votes to leave the EU. Do the Chancellor's sums add up? And has it changed your mind on Brexit? We'll speak to the grieving granddad who's been sacked for taking out-of-date flowers destined for the bin to put on his baby granddaughter's grave should he have been given the boot. And a head teacher bans skinny-fit trousers to protect hefty pupils from bullying, saying tight clothing is unflattering to those who aren't very slim. Is the rule sensible? Or will it trigger a whole host of eating disorders? That's Nick. Today, from seven, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, looking at the papers today, it's uh, Joe Tanner, Director of In-House Communications and former political advisor to Boris Johnson. She worked on his first campaign for London mayor. So it's interesting, isn't it? So the, uh, the, the grieving granddad sacked for taking out-of-date flowers destined for the bin to put on his baby granddaughter's grave. That's, in- that's an interesting one, that, isn't it, really? So they were going to go in the bin... But they obviously hadn't made it to the bin, and, and he used them, and they sort of went, <clears throat> I think not. I think you're going to, be, uh, going to be sacked. But I don't know what he did. I don't know whether he actually worked there and just sort of moved them over. Uh, another one here. On the altar, four candles. Roddy would have loved that. Ronnie Corbett. Uh, bless his heart. And uh, the people who turned up, uh, Jimmy Tarbuck, Rob Bryden, Michael Parkinson, Harry Hill, and Bruce Forsyth's wife, uh, Will Nelia. And, uh, and also uh, his wife, Anne. Anne was there as well, Anne Corbett, flanked with the daughters, Emma and Sophie, and uh, Anne chose to wear a white floral ensemble. She's not been very well of late, so it was nice to see her there. And uh, he'd, he'd have liked the candles on the altar, he really would have done. It's great, great little comic, great little comic, and missed. And somebody was pointing out to us the other day, and in fact that the paper had picked up on it as well, on how we're losing so many people you know, we are losing more of our stars than ever before because at one time they were movie stars. Now we've got stars on the television, stars on the radio, you know, stars from the theatre, stars from all sorts of uh, places now. And when they die, they make the newspapers. So there's going to be more and more of these. We lost the voice of, of Mind the Gap the other day. We've, I mean, we just lost tons of people, tons and tons of people. And uh, it's just awful, really, isn't it? But at least, you know, Ronnie, if he was able to look from up there, He'd be very happy, I think, with the way it turned out. It was a, it was a nice turnout, and I think people missed him. I think people, people missed him. Uh, Maggie says, talking of naked, when I was younger, I had a neighbour who said his mother-in-law was uh, that prudish, she even bathed in the dark. Yes, I quite like that idea. Christine says, nice piece about you on the Radio Voice shortlist. We'll await the result with great anticipation. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm all, to be honest with you, I kind of put it on the back burner. I'd put it on the back burner because you can't worry about things. God, if you worry about things like that, I don't think I'd ever get out of bed. I do worry more about uh, people who think that for their wedding, uh, they have to go and rent a very flash car because they haven't got a flash car. So they have to go and rent one. So here is the case of uh, a drive in a white Ferrari, meant to be a wedding treat for a pair of newlyweds. But the thrill came to an abrupt end when the supercar, worth, they say, a quarter of a million pounds, ploughed into a brick wall. The couple were understood to be renting the vehicle, which has a top speed of 199 miles an hour. The police tweeted that the Ferrari Spider had slammed into the front of a house in Burnley, though nobody was injured. It's owned by a millionaire, 21-year-old Alim Iqbal, who shares a luxury car hire company with his father. Mr Iqbal, who calls himself Lord Alim who's obviously sort of one of these sort of people, tweeted, I wasn't at the wheel and nobody was injured. That's the main thing. We've had a lot worse in the business. <coughs> what is it with people who, for their wedding, want to, <coughs> excuse me, go and uh, hire a car that they're not used to driving? 
You know, there is an art to driving a luxury car. The worst thing was that the car was worth 240000 The house it crashed into in Burnley was worth forty grand. So you can still buy property up there. And he obviously lost control of it because he thought he was being flash. He thought if he drives around the streets, people will think, you know, that far from being the peasant that he really is because he can't drive, they think that that's his car. Whereas, in fact, I always, you know, it's like seeing people in stretch limousines in this country. You see them coming into town. They've mainly got flat tyres, actually. I see more broken down stretch limousines than anything else. And you see these people sitting there and you think, do you really think that we think that you own that? No, we think you're just a bit chavvy and you're going off for a night on the town to sit in a, you know. If I saw somebody in a, in sort of a, in, in sort of a Rolls Royce or a Bentley, I'd be far more inclined to think that they had a bit more money and somebody sitting down there, you know, in a, in a stretch limo, one of these white things, which has got sort of pink lighting inside and that kind of stuff. And if I saw somebody driving a, a Ferrari, I mean, let's face it, this will be insured up to the hilt, must be, I suppose, for the sort of people who are renting it who can't drive fast cars. And they don't check. They just say, have you got a current driving licence? Yep. Has it got any sort of anything on here? You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, <coughs> Paul Cooper says, put you on the back burner. How very dare her. How very dare her. I hope you're going home early today. We're trying to make sure that he gets rest. It's a resting period, we think, at the moment. Especially after... I don't know what the weather is for today. I'll have a check on the weather for you, Paul, in a moment. I shall ask Siri, I think, to tell me what the, uh, what the weather forecast is. Because we like to know, don't we? I'd like to think that this week there's a bit of, a bit of sunshine. I'd like to think that we don't have... Uh, that we don't have uh, any of that nasty rain which we had the other day, which would just ruined it. It was like terrible, absolutely ghastly. It was seriously, it was like a, it was like a tsunami. And uh, Richard, uh, I've got a strategy for pulling birds too. He says, I just say, grab that duffel coat, love, that's pulled. Yes, that's always a very popular one, isn't it? But you just wave car keys, actually. What about <laughs> waving car keys? I think that's quite a good idea. What about Alan Sugar for a role model? For me, says Kay, it's Karen Brady. She's brilliant. Yes, but, I mean, are they actually role models? That's the only reason I ask. You know, are they, you know, are they actually role models? And the answer is, not really. Not really. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Everything we read out on the programme, don't miss anything out at all. I love Richard from Huddersfield. I think that's quite actually very funny, actually. <laughs> I think that is very funny. And uh, talking of annoying presenters, says somebody here, have you heard of... No, never. Who's that? I don't know, actually. Obviously, the, uh, the ill people are out this morning, which is quite funny. I always like things like that. It's always good fun, isn't it? And uh, another one here. It says, uh, love listening to you every morning on the programme. Part of the 4am spike. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody is. We're getting more people who are part of the 4am spike, which is, uh, which is the nicest thing that anybody could ever say. Fruit and veg you should keep apart to cut food waste. Ego, Paul, you'll like this one. Uh, kiwi and avocado. Keep on the countertop until ripe, then refrigerate to preserve. So don't store spuds with onions. Who stores spuds with onions? Nectarines, peaches and pears, sorting, storing them at room temperature makes them sweeten, but premature refrigeration causes loss of flavour. Bananas and all fruit and veg keep away. Bananas will result in most fruit or veg ripening quickly and spoiling. Good luck, I never even knew that. I never knew that. Oh, this English asparagus out at the moment. Very nice. 250 a bunch. Very nice. Also, the, uh, the BA jet that was hit by this legal... Sorry, well, yeah, I think it was legal... But they shouldn't be really selling these things at all. This drone. They can't find where it came from. They really can't find where it came from. And that's why it's so, it's so worrying. Because you can buy one, they say here, 
in the papers that costs about 3,000 quid and it can hold a bomb. Well, we know that, don't we? Because we managed to blow up Jihadi John. Ha, 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 ha. Yes, we managed to sort of get him coming out of the house and they got him with a drone with a bomb on it, dropped it on him and there was nothing left of him. So we know about the bomb side of it. I mean, you can't go and buy them in the shops. I'm assuming they're only available to MOD. But some of these other ones, we went past Maplin's the other day. There are quite a few in the window. They go from about 170 quid. I mean, part of me's thinking, oh, I quite like one of those. And the other part of me's thinking, oh, get over yourself, Stephen, for goodness sake. So uh, so haven't really bothered. Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about the short skirts. So uh, fat girls, they call them hefty now. Hefty girls. Isn't hefty the same as fat? I thought so. It means that they aren't bullied. They could get bullied either way. But you do tend to find that if somebody's particularly fat and their skirt is particularly short, it just looks somewhat obscene. It isn't a case of, you know, they're going to get bullied at school because everybody gets bullied at school. That's what people do at school. Kids bully, you know, so the fat kids always have to buy treats for for their friends or sort of the people who think that they're their friends. And that way they don't get bullied as much. Um, another one here. I have seen Sally Jacks on the uh, Ideal Shopping Channel with other former bid TV presenters. Yeah, there's two of them on there. Are you listening? Or what am I talking to myself here this morning? We've already done the Sally Jacks bit. You're about three hours too late on that one. Goodness sake. And Mitch says, I've just heard that Doris Roberts died. Good heavens, no no kidding. What, the one from, from that show on the television? No, honestly, I haven't heard that one before. You're just waking up or something. Is it, is Canvi- are we getting dumber and dumber on Canvey Island? Come on, pull yourselves together. Goodness sake, we don't have enough time to start faffing around on that. Have you been listening to the news since about four o'clock in the morning? Whew, blimey. Uh, soon, Steve, the young Arabs will grace Mayfair and Knightsbridge with their imported supercars. No, Simon, they're already out. What are you talking about? They're already here. We had them only a few weeks ago. The bloke with the with the gold-plated things that were out there. He bought three over. Silly little show-off, honestly. The trouble is, you know, where, where they come from, people go, oh, here they go again, driving this boring car around. When they come here, they drive them around. It doesn't matter to them that they get tickets or anything like that. They just pay them. They, don't, they have a total disregard for the law. And uh, they all... T- I always think it's a substitute for not actually having... Uh, partners, because most of them, I think, drive around the streets, you know, calling out to girls. I've seen them doing it. So they've been in front of me in the uh, in the car in the morning, and uh, they're just not very successful. They're a little bit overweight. They're not particularly attractive. Uh, the only thing they've actually got going is the fact that they've got oodles of money and a car. So that's just about enough to pull any old wag, isn't it? Let's face it, nowadays. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I do like the picture. It's from India. Uh, this is a snake eagle. And snake eagles eat... Snakes, thank you very much indeed. Except in this particular case, uh, this cobra was having none of it. And uh, there's a lovely series of pictures in the papers today where eagles dare. This is LBC. It's 5.30 with the latest headlines. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to, uh, to six. The hunt for Madeleine McCann will continue for as long as necessary. So says the police chief leading the search for the missing youngster. I didn't think they'd uh, agreed that. I thought they were scaling it down. Detective Chief Superintendent Mick Duthie insisted yesterday she could still be alive. Yeah, well, she could still be anywhere, couldn't she, really? Nine years after she vanished. And uh, obviously to keep this going, uh, Kate and Jerry welcome the news, which comes months after the search for their daughter was scaled down. So far, it's cost £12 million on the investigation to one girl. £12 million. There are still loads of other children missing. And uh, he says there is ongoing work... There is always a possibility we will find Madeline and we hope that we will find her alive. With, with what leads do we have here, DCS? With what, what leads do we have? He says that's what we want, the public want and the family want. I love the way he's speaking for everybody now. 
I mean, I, I wasn't aware that you could speak for everybody, but he appears that he can. He said that's why the Home Office continue to fund it. There is work that needs to be done. Well, how much longer? I mean, how much longer do you, you know, before you actually sort of give up? If she's been murdered and we have justifiable and reasonable lines of inquiry to pursue, they should be dealt with. There is a missing girl. The investigation continues. We go to the Home Office every six months. I imagine we've not completed our inquiries within six months. We will go and ask for more money. It's just a never-ending pit, isn't it, really? I mean, it really is. I don't think he's... I think he's, uh, he's in the dark on this one. I don't think he's got the faintest idea. They've taken... <coughs> excuse me, every, every sniffer dog over there that has ever existed. They've, they've done just about everything. I mean, there is always a possibility, but you can't just keep pour, pouring money into it, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, we're keeping a department going here. They've scaled it right down. And the McCanns have sort of... Uh, have just sort of stood back and let them get on with it. Because that's what you've got to do. There's no other way... No other way round this at all, is there? You just have to, to go with it. But, I mean, how much money do you keep pouring into it? If you've actually got £12 million that's been poured in already and they are no nearer, they've got nothing. They've got absolutely zilch. You know, you have to ask yourself, don't you? Uh, here's Harper Beckham. She's either borrowed a skirt off her mum because it doesn't really fit properly and uh, they were at LAX airport after a holiday. That's all they do, really. Does she go to school, this girl? I'm assuming that the kids are back at school, obviously, not if you're one of the Beckhams. And so she goes through the airport with dark glasses on. Slightly disturbing, as if they were some sort of international stars. Very worrying. A judge has lifted the injunction protecting the identity of the married celebrity allegedly involved in the threesome, only to impose it again to allow a fresh appeal. (coughs) So yesterday we got the... Yes, the person can be named. And then we got the, uh, well, no, you can't. Because we've uh, decided that they might want to appeal against it. And, uh, and that's why it's, uh, it's interesting. They reckon by tomorrow the person will be named. I personally don't think they will. I think it's going to go for a little bit longer. But as the rest of the world knows, it makes a complete mockery of the system that everybody else knows about it except us. But we do know about it, if you see what I mean. Uh, the four candles for Ronnie. And it was all very dignified. It was lovely. And, uh, you know, nice flowers. And his widow was there. And it was all, it was all just wonderful. <coughs> Excuse me. Also, um, the, uh, the Greenpeace people protesting and climbing. Um, to be honest with you, I've been quite worried climbing Nelson's column. Thinking, just supposing the superglue that's holding it on the base of the column goes a bit lax. And all of a sudden, it tips over. Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't you worry about that? I know I would. Oh, blimey. I would be absolutely, I'd, I'd be apoplectic, actually, if all of a sudden you felt it moving. Oh, no, no, it's moving. Not so good, not so good. My role model, says Ben, is my granddad. Yes, most people go that, don't they? They go sort of a, a member of the family. Oh, they think that's quite good. I suppose you could, you could sort of say, oh, my role model was my parents, because your parents made you the person that you, uh, that you are. Uh, oh, I, I wondered how long it would be before he milked the publicity. Yes, Eamon Holmes telling you about he's uh, staying positive. He can stand straighter. I'm an inch taller and I can sit without any pain. Lovely. I wonder how much that cost. Did he pay for it or was that, uh, or was that freebie? Was that freebie or did he go NHS? I don't know, actually. I'm just trying to find out very quickly, but I can't see anything here. Um, it doesn't actually say... Doesn't say. All they say presents Sky News, and that's it. But uh, always one to milk the publicity. And uh, here he is. He's out there. They say he's an inch taller. He's still shorter than uh, than Ruth, which is uh, which is always the best bit. Actually, there was a man in the paper today. All he's eaten for twenty two years is sausage and chips. I could live for twenty two years on sausage and chips. His name's Daniel. He's uh, a lifeguard. He can't face the alternative. 
He's only ever had that. He's pleading for help to beat his obsession. I mean, he has toast for breakfast, a crisp sandwich for lunch, and then four sausages, chips and bread for dinner. He once ballooned to 19 stone and has lost out on love because he won't go out for meals with girlfriends. Well, he's an idiot then, isn't he? I'm sick to death of this manby-pamby country. So he, he pleads with help because he's eating uh, sausages and chips. And you think, well, stop eating sausages and chips. Thank you. Uh, don't keep eating sausages and chips. You know, try and be grown up about it. You know, see, if you can eat bread and toast and everything else, you can quite clearly eat other things. So don't give us this old baloney about it. It's just, you know, try and be grown up. And he can't get girlfriends because he ballooned to 19 stone. And you think, oh, blimey, what a... You know, small wonder when I turn on the Jeremy Kyle show, it's full of life's losers. There they all are. But they seem to turn up on every programme. They turn up on quiz shows. They turn up on... We have them on the Jeremy Kyle show. We had them on Four in a Bed. Some of the nastiest people you've ever seen. Even the, the Come Dine With Me, which used to be a lovely little programme. Lovely little programme, which had nice people on just cooking. Turned into something ghastly. I mean, really absolutely ghastly. And you begin to wonder whether or not there is an agency that's bringing out nasty people. Absolutely horrible. God, honestly, need to take a leaf out of my book. Be nice to everybody, you know, which is uh, which is a wonderful philosophy and works so beautifully for me. Uh, who's this? Kim Kardashian's gone to Iceland. I mean, could somebody explain what she does? No, no, I don't think anybody knows what she does at all. I don't even think she knows what she does at all. Uh, and uh, Spencer Matthews. Oh, dear, still out there, Spencer. Still trawling around with girls, you know. Uh, who want to hang around with you. He's been parading a posh blonde on dates less than a week after revealing that uh, Vicky Patterson had called time on their romance. There was no romance. At, uh, the maiden Chelsea buffoon, 27, mental age, about 15, I think, was snapped with a new lady at a pub in West London called The Goat. Aptly named, I think. But anyway, she's apparently um, an Instagram model, Morgana Robart. He's, uh, how old is he? 27. I thought he was about 40. I'm so sorry, actually. They've been uh, inseparable since meeting at Christmas on the Caribbean island of St Bart's, where his parents have a hotel. And they've kept in touch ever since. So she's an Instagram model. They said, what was it about the fact that his parents have got a hotel that first attracted you? But anyway, uh, apparently he has a lot in common with her. Yes, it's because he's a bit of a dipstick, isn't he? Steroids... King, and uh, and that's about as far as it goes. His, uh, his his track record's a little bit embarrassing, but the sort of girls who want to go with him, that's their business, isn't it? I mean, I have to be honest with you, when you look at how many seems to have bedded and made in Chelsea, you feel a bit sorry for them, really. But uh, there we go, and I think he was exposed for the person he was. I wondered where his uh, mood swings always came from. I always used to worry about that. Uh, there's two girls here. who become poster girls for a hate-filled racism uh, group. This is Chelsea Lambie, Revels. In spouting vile... I mean, she's an ugly. She spouts vile racist abuse and has been jailed for throwing pork into a moss. Her sister, Samantha, who's another ugly as well, uh, loves Adolf Hitler. Uh, they're both mums. There's a surprise. wonder how that ever happened. And uh, one was uh, locked up Chelsea. They're part of the forefront of Scottish Defence League race-hate campaigns. Uh, she's fined for hurling racist abuse at an Asian shopkeeper. And she lists her interest on social media as blowing up mosques. Are these people... I mean, I know she's dim and I know she's ugly. And that's about the only two things that you can ever say about her. They really are vile people, aren't they? Samantha, apparently, is a regular at SDL marches. She's been pictured in a T-shirt bearing the badge of the SS unit responsible for uh, administrating concentration camps. 
the sisters from Paisley appear online. Apparently, Samantha's engaged. How exciting. I wonder how attractive their boyfriends are. They're a pair of uglies. There's nothing more you can say about them. They're just pathetic people. And eventually they get their, their just desserts. I never understand why anybody would want to go out there and start throwing pork into, uh, into mosques, uh, referring to refugees as racists and black people. I can't even begin to, uh, to tell you. What's the matter with them? Perhaps, they're, perhaps they're, they've got a sickness. Perhaps they are sort of training for the Jeremy Kyle show, because he seems to be the only person who can't deal with people like that. The rest of us have got a very short, uh, simple idea. Take him to South End Pier, push him off the end. There you go. Fantastic. Uh, Ian Highland talking about... Um, Michael serving a Big Mac of variety. There's a problem with the with the Michael McIntyre show. Apart from the fact it's made by his company, and it costs us a small fortune to get it. There was a thing the other day where he said, "Oh, coming up at the end of the show for this this girl, uh, we've got a big surprise for you." And it turned out that it was Michael Ball singing with her. And as lots of people pointed out, they must have rehearsed that. You can't just start singing with somebody on a show and hope that it works out. They would have rehearsed it. So, uh, pulling the wool over your eyes, Michael McIntyre on the show here, and, which is quite nice. Uh, Jerry Horner was on there. She's barking mad. Absolutely crackers. She really is. Of course, now she's into baking and everything else, which is all, all very tedious. She was boring first time round. Well, she was marginally interesting. Now she's got a little bit boring. And uh, and then there was sort of all sorts of other people on there. I mean, it's 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 not really. It's it's sort of, you know, sort of the kind of programme we would want. It's a little bit like uh, Noel Edmonds's programmes, but they nick everything now, don't they? You know, they, everything is nicked on the television. There is nothing that is particularly new, nothing that you haven't seen before. I mean, uh, Slice of Saturday Night... Slice of Saturday Night, the Saturday Night programme with Anton Deck is a rehashing of just about anything that's ever been any good, from Game for a Laugh upwards, even Crinkly Bottom. Uh, also, uh, after she was uh, pictured uh, snoozing outside a pub at the weekend, cruel gossip suggested Junie Finnegan nodded, after, nodded off after drinking too much, which is a bit unfair. she just spent a couple of hours talking to Richard Maidley. Surely that also has to be taken into account, which is exactly the same what I said on the programme. I said, maybe Richard's boring it with one of his, uh, one of his stories. And uh, she's got oh, go to sleep. Let's go to sleep there. I did say that uh, Judy, who does enjoy a glass of wine, she used to love Friday nights on the Richard and Judy show because Friday afternoon or nights or whatever time the blooming thing was on, which I found quite entertaining because that's where Judy Finnegan fought to get a word in edgeways with her husband who wouldn't shut up at all. It's like working with Richard Jackson. Uh, there's, um, what have we got here? Oh, this is a, a picture showing the horrific injuries to a dad who was beaten with a metal baseball bat in an attack by three brothers. Uh, this is brothers Luke, Jamie and Harry Kirby. An ugly threesome, if ever there were them. Jail for five years. I mean, absolutely. They are, he answered the door uh, of his house in Hull at 1am to his ex-girlfriend, her new partner, and his two brothers. Hull Court heard there had been a misunderstanding about care of the pair's three-year-old daughter, and then they attacked him. You've never seen such attacking. And I'm glad they've gone to prison for five years. They'll be learning to swing from the other side of the fence. Disgusting people, honestly, nowadays. There's too much of this going on in this country. It's got to change. got to change. Too many internet trolls out there. Get them into court, get them to lose their jobs, and, uh, and then just shove them off the end of South End Pier. That's my new place to get rid of people who annoy me. I've decided it's so much easier. 84850, steve at UK. I'm glad that uh, everybody has enjoyed The Jungle Book. Winnie went to see it. 
and said, uh, I went to see it at the IMAX 3D on your recommendation, and I was not disappointed. Mowgli is amazing. Good little actor. Great choices. Bill Murray, Idris Elba, Ben Kingsley, Scarlett Johansson, and Christopher Walken for the voices of the animals. And a few nods to the original version, too. Very much enjoyed it. Yes, made in this country. Most of it made over here. All the uh, the the, uh, the CGI stuff was done over here, but everybody I've, I've recommended to has not been disappointed. So the Jungle Book, I think it gets a five-star rating from just about everybody. 14 to... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This uh, story that made the uh, the papers is the uh, is the one about Michael McIntyre's big show plunged into a fakery scandal. Do you remember after... Uh, Britain's got no talent at all. We found a 12-year-old who can sing a song from Wicked. And then we got uh, the ballet dancing boy at 14, and they turn out to be cousins. And then people say, ooh, this is becoming a bit incestuous. Here on Michael McIntyre's big show, and I love Michael McIntyre, used to be a presenter on LBC some years ago. Um, On Saturday, five million viewers saw the comic lure Welsh hairdresser Natasha John to the studio, thinking she was there to work. He told the audience beforehand she was a professional hairdresser who liked to sing. Then he revealed to Natasha she'd been set up and would be singing with Michael Ball. She gasped, oh my God, I can't believe it. I feel like I'm in a dream. 30 minutes later, the pair sang the prayer together in front of the two and a half thousand strong audience. But viewers of the show smelled a rat. One tweeted, I'd be interested to know how long she had to rehearse. There's no way she learned that in an hour. Another commented, I presume production staff saw her perform it somewhere else. We can reveal Natasha is no amateur. She's trained with Charlotte Church's vocal coach. She sang for 7,000 people at a rugby match in Cardiff. She's also sang for MPs at a Christmas party and sells CDs of her music. Last night, a show spokesman said Natasha has dreams of becoming a full-time singer, adding it was great to see her have the confidence to take centre stage and perform in front of millions of viewers on Saturday. Oh, they do talk garbage, don't they, these producers? What a load of old crap trap they come up with. I mean, really, she had the gut. She's performing into a camera. Not exactly difficult, is it? You know, she had the guts to do it. She's performed in stadiums. What are you talking about? She's a semi-pro singer. You're not telling me that there was no rehearsal? Of course there must have been. There must have been rehearsal. It's as simple as that. You know, they they, they like to spin it, don't they? Uh, Liza Minnelli denies having a blast at ex-David Guest. Uh, a spokesman for the actress admitted she had no comment at all about his death. And uh, New York pop uh, gossip columnist Cindy Adams says, while he was breathing, she wouldn't even speak to him. Now that he's not breathing, she wouldn't even speak about him. My friend Liza told me he's a... And she used that rude word. I shouldn't imagine Liza Minnelli likes him. I'd love to sit down with Liza Minnelli and ask her questions. Seriously, what was he really like? And she'll say, well, apart from the fact he wore more makeup than most women I know, he was slightly odd and invented a family. And that would be the kind of thing that you can imagine, can't you? That's what we want. That's what we want when we do uh, when we do gossip in this country. I mean, who wants nice people? I've said to you before. I know. Oh, actually, talking of nice people, my friend Rich, who works on a on a, another radio station, literally just around the corner, here sent me a a text this morning, and he said, "Steve, the cleaner just proudly showed me his LBC app that he's downloaded to his phone. Isn't that nice?" He says, and then proceeded to ask if I was Steve Allen. I'm now really disappointed. I don't look at all anything like Rich. I mean, seriously. That, uh, so, anyway, so the cleaner's got the LBC app. Honestly, I wouldn't mind, but in here, it's got LBC, LB, you know, written about 500 times. And where Rich works, just around the corners, it doesn't say that. It's got a big X on the wall. But never mind. Never mind. It doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> uh, somebody called Dom says, I worked on a show with David Guest, and his Rolodex was impressive. 
I'm assuming a Rolodex is a thing that's got lots of celebrities' numbers on and you turn it and it's, it's just like a... It's like having a telephone. He says he delivered a huge number of A-list stars, all friends. Not in this country, I'm afraid. He hasn't managed to deliver... Well, not anymore, either. He hasn't delivered anything that is uh, remotely A-list because Michael Jackson's dead, Elizabeth Taylor's dead, Frank Sinatra's dead. All the people he knows are dead including himself. So perhaps he's sitting on a cloud talking to them now. But all he managed to get in this country was Dean Gaffney, Lizzie Cundy and Kim Marsh. You don't really count Kerry Katona because she doesn't know where she is half the time. So there's no point in billing her in there. But they'll all turn up for the funeral because it'll be an OK funeral. I bet you. I bet there'll be no, no money for it. Somebody will be trying to make money out of it. <clears throat> How much do the clothes cost for Kate's tour? Oh, by the way, before I forget, they're uh, in the effort to spin... The two boys, again, who seem to go as a double act with that poor girl. And so every time Kate and Wills go out, who's hiding behind the hedges? It's Blasted Harry again. And so this week they're going off to a film set. They're going to uh, to watch them doing a bit of Star Wars, which is very exciting. I don't know what purpose that's... Apparently it's to, to say thank you for Star Wars boosting the film industry in this country. Sounds a bit dull, doesn't it, really? But uh, anyway, that's their, their freebie. And then they've got another freebie coming up, which is where I think Wills and Kate and no doubt Harry will sit there with no girlfriend and he'll look like Billy No Mates and they'll be having dinner with Barack Obama. As I say, what they're going to talk about, I've got no idea. What have they got in common with Barack Obama? Nothing. Do they understand anything about American politics? Nothing. Do they understand anything about British politics? Nothing. What can he talk about? I sat in a helicopter... You know, very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. And uh, we have we have two children at home. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, George and the other one. And uh, they're with Nanny at the moment because we're sort of busy doing this. This is very important being a royal. And, and you think, but what does that serve? What I mean, I don't quite understand what the purpose of it is. You know, if you get the Queen, you can imagine you're a bit more excited than if you're going to get Prince Harry again. You know, they go, Harry's cup. Oh, not Harry again, please. Save us from Harry. Save us from Harry. Uh, what have we got here? Number one, we're broke. This is Lucas Graham. Apparently, they've already spent... See, there's no money in this popular music stuff nowadays. I mean, there really isn't. Because people think that, you know, if, if you've got a record company and, and they back you and they give you loads of money, then you walk away with that money and you don't. You don't. So, in other words, if, if I say, right, I'm going to take my producer uh, and say, well, I'm going to give you a million pounds and we're going to... Uh, and you go, a million pounds? How exciting. You go, yeah. Unfortunately, by the time we'd done hair, makeup, promotion, photographs, recording time, written songs, uh, booked in a tour and everything else, your million's gone, OK? There isn't actually anything left. And you've gone on tour and you've only just paid back the million. But that's going to be in a few years' time, so you're going to walk away from it with nothing. People think that when you see all these groups on the television, you see people at number one, that they're absolutely minted. They're not. They're absolutely not. It takes a long lot of hard... Ask anybody in the business. It takes a lot of hard graft to get there. I don't know who they think they're all going to be, these groups. Do they think that they're going to be, you know, so the next Rolling Stones or the next One Direction? Mind you, I don't think there is going to be another One Direction. We've already seen one lot. I don't think we really want them again, do we? It's going to be very interesting. And so what you do is you have to explain to people that the, the real reason, you know, behind being a pop star is to make somebody else very happy. You just have to go along with it. It's very tiring. It's very, very emotional. It's a roller coaster. Ask anybody who's been in any group and they'll tell you exactly what it was like. Even worse for the groups of the 60s and 70s, because they never made any money at all. At least the One Direction boys, and they're very few and far between groups like that, they made a lot of money. 
Uh, and the Spice Girls made a lot of money. But the rest of them, they fall by the wayside. You know, you can see them, they get loads of coverage, they're on the television, they're in the magazines. You know, they'll do anything to be famous. But once you become famous, you've got to maintain that fame. And that's the problem nowadays. You've got to get the records played on the radio stations. You've got to get them out to do the publicity. If they don't do the publicity, the public are not going to know about them. You've got to get them on television programmes. Unfortunately, for a lot of the uh, a lot of the boys who go into the groups, they are just pretty boys and pretty boys. Well, I'm surrounded by pretty people in this company. I mean, seriously, there's loads and loads of very, very attractive people. And then in the papers, there's Millie McIntosh. And unfortunately, poor old Millie has managed to turn up to the uh, Coachella thing. She doesn't really do anything, Millie McIntosh. And looking at this ghastly picture of her here, I'm not at all surprised that uh, he doesn't want to go out with you. Who's this? Megan McKenna. Oh, look, sober and upright. How novel. And uh, Dave and the kids spoiled posh, uh, which is lovely. I thought, actually, um, Brooklyn was off at Coachella. But he... uh, he sort of uh, said, happy birthday to the most beautiful, inspirational person in my life. Well, who's that, dear? Who, who, who can that be? You must tell us. And so uh, Dave and Vic went out there for the purposes of the press and uh, still here, look, still happy together. And they print pictures of just about every member of the family because they're a little bit obsessed by themselves. And uh, one of these days, the press are going to turn around and go, you know, we're really not interested. We've got enough pictures to last, you know, until the end of time. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Billy the Brave. Billy Piper. Uh, she split from her husband. So, you know, people split up. And here's a picture of the most unattractive... Oh, God, it's Jodie Marsh, isn't it? And uh, she says, he was my life, my soulmate. Yeah, and now he's your ex after a few months, because I should imagine you're a nightmare. I don't know what she does for a living. Apparently she's a bodybuilder. Yuck, ghastly. I remember seeing her on the television. Yuck, ghastly. Oh, look, here's somebody who's piled on the pounds. Wait a minute, are we going to be seeing um, a fitness DVD out from poor old Chanel Hayes? Yes, uh, she was out on uh, on holiday. I don't know what she does for a living. Dear God in heaven, love, you've let yourself go, haven't you? Uh, she's a cake shop owner. Is she really? <laughs> well, there's a surprise. It's like looking at Colleen Nolan in a bikini. You know, it's as unattractive as that. And she is piling it on, so I'm assuming there must be some diet DVD around the corner. Why is it that the fatter these people are, the less flattering are the bikinis? You'd have thought, if you were really, really fat, you wouldn't be wearing an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny green polka dot bikini you wouldn't would you really i mean it just looks gross and so she's out there wait a minute this has got to be a fitness dvd hasn't it i've just thought about it i'm being so incredibly naive i'm so sorry it would have to be because otherwise why would there be a photographer in alicante taking a picture she's nobody she's got a cake shop why would she be of any interest to anybody apart from her uh, slightly odd appearances on the television which have been very few and far between i think they're just few really and so she's holidaying here, and she's got a photographer with her, and she's shown pinching her bottom to show you how much how fat she is. This is a fitness DVD, isn't it? That'll be the picture that goes on the front of it. What's the betting? Want to put money on it? I'm never wrong. Never wrong. I hate to be proved wrong. Natasha Hamilton is on the front page of OK magazine at her daughter Ella's christening. I suppose she'll be talking about the fact that uh, Richie didn't come. I'm very disappointed. Because they actually split up. He managed to get publicity. Then they realised they had nothing in common. Uh, I think she got pregnant. What is she, five by five now? Is it four by five or four by four? I can't remember. She's got loads of kids with different people. And, uh, and Richie didn't go. But uh, we went ahead and had a lovely day. Splitting with Richie feels like a bereavement. But we're still living with each other. Oh, God. Nothing worse than a tacky relationship. And that's a tacky relationship. News coming up at six. It's LBC. It's Tuesday the 19th of April. Uh, why aren't today's gadgets designed to live long and uh, Liza Minnelli on David Guest they say she's been dissing him she says she never did she doesn't want to talk about him at all and Scylla gets a new gravestone it's LBC good morning good morning
on FM, online, on your mobile, and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, a pretty nice heavy company. It's Tuesday the 19th of April. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Please say Maddie could still be alive. Well, one police officer. Everybody else has gone very quiet on it. Four candles for Ronnie Corbett. They turned out for his funeral yesterday. Gas masks for Nelson as the protesters get to the top of the column. I ask, where's the security in this country? They did the same down at Parliament and a few other places as well. Nobody did a blind thing. It's very worrying. Uh, The curse of fly tipping. It's the blight on our landscape. The overweight girl from Googlebox complained about uh, a columnist, Kelvin McKenzie, talking about her weight. And yet uh, she'd just been to the doctor to talk about whether or not she had diabetes. I mean, surely if the cap fits, she's there to be critical about people's television programmes. Doesn't like it when it turns the other way. Very similar to the couple who were on uh, Four in a Bed, who were critical of everybody. This ghastly, it could have been mother and daughter, I don't know. Uh, Really awful people. I mean, when they watch themselves back, they're going to be absolutely horrified. They were so awful. And they were so vile about everybody else on the programme. A real nasty pair. You know, really, really nasty. And then when somebody was uh, not very complimentary about them, they turned like two little she-devils. Horrible people. Really horrible. I can't remember their names. They were so vile. Noreen says the cough not getting any better. Hopefully it'll go soon. Yeah, I think as fast as it arrives, it sort of disappears. That's the idea anyway. We watched Michael McIntyre, she said, and we wondered how that lady and Michael Ball was so good. I do like it when Michael sends a text from a celeb's phone. And a safe journey home to Carol and Tracy. And a big happy birthday to Paul Savory, who celebrates his birthday today. So many happy returns of the day. Uh, Philip says uh, you'll have Greenpeace climbing all over you for polluting the sea if you keep throwing lowlifes off the end of Southend Pier. That's my new place to throw people. I don't think it's throw them, I think just take the... Because there's nothing at the end of Southend Pier. I wanted a fun fair, but there isn't one there. I'd like to put a, a giant helter-skelter or something where you stick them at the top and then they shoot off into the sea and then we just leave them there. Because there's just so many of these ghastly people. So many ghastly people. Even Phil Vickery. Morning, Phil. Even he agrees that, you know, there are some terrible people about. You know, you look at some of the stories in the papers of, you know, 13 and 14-year-olds finding themselves in court and you think, what is going wrong? It's just really deeply, deeply unpleasant. And when you look at the uh, the story, this farce over this celeb gag, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, everybody in the entire world must be absolutely pointing and laughing at us like, we know who it is. Well, of course, we know who it is as well. It's just that we're not allowed to talk about it because this particular person values their their privacy. I would have thought once you're famous, you kind of lose your privacy. Like, Like the fat girl from Googlebox and Kelvin McKenzie was saying she's fat. She's sat on the tuffet and eaten it as well, which seems, I thought it was a fairly funny line. But then, as I say, she's wearing false hair stuck on her head. She's troweled with makeup. She obviously cares about her appearance. Why would she not care about being told she's fat? She's overweight. It's as simple as that. You know, you put yourself up on television criticising other people, and she's very critical of everybody on the television. And yet when, you know, somebody turns it round and throws it back at her, oh, she moans like a banshee. Moans like a banshee. It was so tedious and so boring. Uh, Blowing kisses to everybody. Uh, That's Ronnie Corbett's wife, Annie. At the funeral in uh, Shirley. She looked lovely. He'd have been pleased. 
He was lovely. He was lovely. You watch back the uh, the two Ronnies, and you suddenly realise just how clever the scripting was. I mean, the scripting was absolutely brilliant. Uh, also, uh, police Maddie could still be alive. No, just one police officer. I suppose better to keep that thing going than go back to normal policing. Because they just seem to be sitting in offices. There's nothing to find. They haven't found anything. They don't know what to do about it. Uh, but they've said that they're going to keep asking for money. I mean, it's like it's a never-ending pit. Where does this money come? We're just printing money for this. It just seems ridiculous. But uh, the McCanns have never given up hope their daughter is alive. Well, I agree. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. That's what any, any parent would, would do. But, you know, how much lo- does this go for the rest of our life? You know, in 50 years' time, are we still looking for Madeleine McCann? Is that how long... You, I mean, is there an end? Nick Ferrari posed this, uh, this question some, uh, some time ago. Actually, proof that, um, that we really haven't got a grip on anything in this country, if proof were needed, after the scaling of the memorials yesterday, we had Nelson's Column, we had uh, Queen Victoria's statue, you know, police within 100 yards. I mean, I don't know what they're doing. Perhaps they're just sitting there having a cigarette or something and a cup of coffee. But proof, if proof were needed, that you can get into this country and do just whatever you want, is the story of a Croatian thug uh, who's been kicked out of Britain twice. He sneaked back in to carry out a knife horror. He just changed his name. That's all he did, and he got straight back in again. It was as simple as that. The judges said that he would again be deported after serving his sentence. So it'll be the third time he gets back into the country. Obviously, the border control is just non-existent. You know, what are they... Just, I mean, it sounds like... Um, do you remember seeing the film Airplane, which was a spoof, and they've got terrorists walking through the thing with the alarms going off and the, uh, the customs doing nothing about it? It's a bit like that, actually. It's a bit like that. Uh, what else do we have? Women hit harder by shift work. Uh, shift work does still go on. Does still go on. Uh, where else do we find these uh, Queen Victoria uh, masked up in the mall? Millions of Londoners, including kids, are breathing the same air. It's what Greenpeace have said. I thought they just saved Wales. I had no idea. It's not Wales, the country, incidentally. They said it's activists attached masks to 18 statues. Uh, Winston Churchill outside Parliament, Queen Victoria in the Mall, Eros in Piccadilly and uh, many others. Four people detained near Parliament at a statue of Oliver Cromwell. Two others held after scaling the Duke of Wellington's Memorial at Hyde Park Corner. And um, a statue of Thierry Henry outside Arsenal Stadium in North London was also masked. I'm sorry, these people should be... Let's have some serious charging, shall we, going on here. £1,000 fine each, OK? £1,000 fine. Let's make it that. It's, it's so much easier, isn't it? Uh, Johnny Depp and his video apology, it was pathetic. In the extreme. You know, they broke the law. They must have seen... Pro- they do have... I mean, are these celebrities far removed from the real world with the rest of us? That's the only thing that bothers me, is that I watch on a daily basis these programmes about what you can take into countries and what you can't take in. And I know that if you go to Australia, you can't take Chinese food in, any food of any sort. You cannot take in wooden objects because they could be polluted. You can't take in roots. You can't, you can't take in anything. And yet still you see them almost on a daily basis opening up suitcases of tonnes and tonnes of food. And, you know, they make a big deal about it, don't they? You cannot bring this in. You're going to be fined $200 and we confiscate all the food. And so Johnny Depp's wife takes in two dogs, two little terriers, which are gorgeous. They're absolutely lovely. Flies them in on a private plane, totally oblivious. I mean, either she's the dimmest person in the entire world and hasn't ever heard of quarantine or she thought she was above the law. And so having sort of departed the country, shouting the odds and going, I'm never coming back here again. That was her, incidentally. I don't know what she sounds like, so I can't do a voice impression. And then all of a sudden they have to go crawling back with their tail between their legs and issue this pathetic video of an apology on the war on the terriers. 
It's ridiculous. And, and they got fined something ridiculous. It certainly wasn't very much at all. And, um, and, and then the uh, Herd's lawyer, Jeremy Kirk, said she was tired and anxious about her husband's injured hand. And so um, she handed all the travel documents to the staff. Oh, God, can't do anything, darling, can we? We're just far too important. We give it to the staff. He added, my client never had any intention to conceal the fact the dogs were in Australia. I mean, you know, do, do you think you're above the law or something? I mean, these people are so stupid, really. I mean, it's not her fault. She's dim. Uh, but, I mean, if you disrespect, disrespect Australian law, they will tell you firmly. And then she says, I'm truly sorry. Pistol and boo were not declared. Protecting Australia is important. It's a 22nd video. I mean, you could have dummied it up in a studio and had anybody doing it. Winnie the Pooh or Tigger and Eeyore. It would have been equally as exciting. But uh, anyway, so all's well that ends well. Everybody's very happy and they've all kissed and made up. But at the same time, you'd think she'd be a bit brighter than that, a little bit more intelligent. He had a hurt hand. Oh, diddums. So that involves taking the dogs out. There. Oh, I don't know. I didn't do the travel arrangement. Yesterday, we told you about the fly tipper. One offender. There's many of them. This is Richard Weston, who comes from Derbyshire. What a stupid man he is. What a stupid man. And he dumps the dishwasher. Uh, they've got a hidden camera there, as you remember from yesterday's programme. They caught him because he went back to the same place and threw another load there. He said he threw it there because he thought these scrap dealers would come round and pick it up. Of course, my argument is, why not take it to the scrap dealer in the first place? He's a man of limited intelligence, is our poor Richard Weston. And he was laughing without realising he was caught on camera. He's now been made to look stupid two days running. And luckily, the courts decided to make an example of him. £251, fine, and £1,000 costs. And I'm suggesting the same for the travellers down at Sunbury, who move on to a site which was nothing to do with them. Uh, they filled it up with their rubbish, and then they move on. And I say... Let's not uh, faff around with this anymore. Lock them into the site. Let them stay there. They're not taking anything off the site till they've either paid to have all this cleared. It's still there. It's still sitting there. All this rubbish piled up because they go round and they go, uh, I'll clear that for you. And then they just go and dump it in the countryside. They dump it on their site, move on to somewhere else and leave somebody else to pick up the pieces. So the simple solution, a very straightforward solution, is to keep them locked on the site till they've coughed up the money. You're not leaving the site. You're going nowhere. You're going to pay for it to be cleared up. And then once you've paid for it to be cleared up, then we'll let you off the site. And each time we'll do it. We'll lock you up. We'll take away everything from you and you'll learn. It's a slow process of educating people who are blighting the countryside. The rubbish that is down there in this sort of, you know, it was a nice empty car park at one time until the travellers moved onto the site and filled it with God knows how many tonnes of rubbish. And it's still sitting there, rotting away. They should be dragged back screaming. Little fat blokes, drag them back in there. You clear it all up, you get rid of it, or we, we, we're going to pay you. Wait, sorry, we're going to charge you for clearing it. 20,000 quid, cough it up now. Don't cough it up, we're going to start taking away your caravans. All right, simple as that. It's got to be the same law for everybody. This bloke gets fined in court. What about all the other people? Remember that van the other day, the flatbed lorry, which wasn't registered? Oh, wonder where that came from. And that was dumping rubbish all over the road. We just sit back and go, oh, we can't say anything. Of course we can. Of course we can. We've got laws, laws. Fly, fly tipping here. Uh, one, uh, somebody called uh, Shah says this was left overnight on a, on a forestry road. And it's a bed. It's an absolute... It's, it's a bed. It's as simple as that. It's just unbelievable, complete with all the rubbish. And we know what people dump rubbish. You know, if it comes in on a truck, you know exactly where it's, uh, where it's going to. Uh, Steve, some alternatives for the lifeguard with the sausage and chips story. How about sausage and mash, sausage sandwiches, crisp sandwiches, he's had those, jacket potatoes, chip sandwich, toast and toasted sausage sandwich. You know, fairly straightforward, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Just trying to get somebody off. He goes, oh, please, please help me. I'm addicted to sausage and chips. 
Good grief. It's LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 19th of April. We've got about ten minutes left of the... Well, nine minutes left of the programme. Don't forget, free podcast for you in about 20 minutes, 30 minutes' time. And if you go to the LBC website, you can download that free app and then you can uh, have that downloaded every day. You get a free podcast, little 15-minute podcast about celebrities. Well, I say celebrities. I mean, there's a few people who pretend to be celebrities and they're not really celebrities. New programme coming up on uh, Channel 4 today. I've seen the trailers for it. It looks ghastly. It's called the Tiny Tots Talent Agency. And it's where you get pushy mothers uh, pushing their, their kids forward. Go for it, darling. Go for it. Make mummy proud. Make mummy rich. And, uh, and so they're all on there. There's a 10-month-old one on there. And then there's a bloke who's uh, launching his own super brand. And so it goes on. It's, uh, it's just kids who think they can make a load of money that way. Uh, generally, they're pushed by their parents. And so uh, perhaps they should do a programme on pushy parents. Make it far more entertaining for us. Far more entertaining. Uh, you're not buying into the Madeleine McCann story, are you, really? I thought you would. I thought you'd have a bit more sympathy for the McCanns, but not really. And you've got no interest at all in the three-in-a-bed star's million-pound bid to keep his gag. Uh, you're not remotely interested in that one at all. Uh, also, there's uh, Jamie Winston, uh, because trolls have attacked Jamie Winston after she uploaded a picture of herself breastfeeding her baby. To be quite honest with you, I don't know why anybody would want to show a picture of somebody breastfeeding. What on earth is the point of that? And so, uh, quite, quite... Unsurprisingly, targeted by uh, by Twitter trolls, and uh, what else do we have here? Um, I don't like to do stories on cyclists. I'm a bit bored with cyclists, actually. Uh, keeping the star's name off the web was hopeless, says the uh, says the court, because it's all over the place, isn't it? Everybody knows who this star is, and uh, <clears throat> it'll hit the papers. But that time, you've you've read it all, haven't you? You've read everything you need to know about them. I don't really care. Uh, snout of order. Yes, you did not hear incorrectly. Snout of order. Tobacco in jail fetches £100 an ounce. It's amazing, isn't it? You would have thought, actually, that if you were in prison, uh, there would be none of this kind of thing. Oh, no, everything's available. Get your mobile phones, get just about everything, because there's as many bent prison officers as there are bent coppers, I should imagine. There's also on uh, uh, here some prisoners sitting on a roof protesting over the smoking ban. Hilarious, isn't it? To be honest with you, I don't know why they don't, don't leave them up there. I don't quite understand the fact. You send somebody off to prison, and um, there was uh, one here who uh, who I think fell off. Uh, that They were shouting to passers-by. Uh, they've uh, support to quit smoking, and they've got a smoking ban in prison. So they've said, no, you can't. So they've decided they're going to go and sit up on the roof. Well, let them sit up there. Let them stay up on the roof. You know, leave them there. rains, it rains. They get wet. They get pneumonia, whatever. Who cares? Nobody's worried about it. They were placed in segregating cells when they returned indoors. I don't know why they even bother wasting time. Just lock the access to which they got out onto the roof and leave them up there. They'll soon get bored and come down, believe you me. It's like cats, isn't it? There's a cat up a tree. Oh, dreadful. Quick, get something out there. The cat'll get itself down. Um, Barbara Windsor. No, not that Barbara Windsor. This is uh, Barbara Streisand. Uh, she joked some years ago that uh, uh, Prince Charles, apparently, you know, pretty little thing, you sing as well. And she says, I could have been the first Jewish princess in, uh, in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have been a bad thing. But Charles was sort of, he was a bit gawky and geeky. He was never particularly good looking. You know, Prince Andrew was always considered the looker, I suppose. Edward was never considered the looker at all. And Charles was, you know, Charles, you know. And uh, that kind of thing. And now you have to sort of put up with the, with, with the kids. But that's OK. But Barbara Streisand said she could have been the first Jewish princess. I like the idea of that. That, that, uh, that appeals to my sense of humour. 
greatly. Uh, a lot of people writing... I love it when people write into the papers commenting on somebody else's life. And somebody's written in, called Claire, who says, uh, Robson Green should not have stolen the vicar's wife. Mind your own business, curtain twitcher. Oh, dear, what have you got to do with you? Are you related to the vicar? No. Is it, you know, is it your mother? No. Mind your own business. Got nothing to do with you. I love these people. They are the curtain twitchers, aren't they? They, do, they sort of write in... And they sort of go, I think he should definitely not have gone out with the vicar's wife. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. I wonder where, where that badge came from. I saw a badge the other day uh, in the style of baby on board for sufferers to wear on public transport. It's got cancer on board. And I saw a few people the other day wearing it. I, did, I couldn't read what it was. And I've now only just realised, because it's in, uh, it's in the paper today, exactly what it says. So it says cancer on board. Ah, interesting. Well, now I know. Now I won't have to ask next time. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, Steve, the police can't even stop the hot dog carts in the West End. No, they can't. They can't even stop illegal minicabs. Seriously. And, um... You said about the ambulances waiting if they fell off Nelson's column. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, I, I should have thought about it more carefully, shouldn't I? But uh, if they'd fallen off Nelson's column, an ambulance would be the last thing they'd be needing. They'd be needing the road sweepers down there. But there were two, two there, two there the other day, and the, uh, and the police cars as well, just watching them. And they managed to sort of target all at the same time, achieve their objective, and the police did nothing. But somebody else says to me, Bruno, you should walk around West Kensington and see the rubbish dropped by dirty people. I tell you the dirtiest people, shall I? Bus passengers. Go, have a look at bus stops. It's the most vandalised thing you'll ever see. They leave their rubbish there and yet it's sitting right next door to a bin. They're the stupidest people ever. You know, especially around our way, we get some real dummos. You know, they, they've got their, their cans of booze, their little cans of vodka, little, little bottles of vodka and stuff like that. That's just the kids. Well, see, the adults are drinking, and they just leave it on the ground. You know, start eating something, put it on the ground, leave it. You think, but you're next door to a bin. If I was driving the bus, I'd be going, sorry, we're not going anywhere till you've got off the bus and put that in the bin. Sit there all day, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, dear, honestly. There's no law and order, is there, anymore? Totally agree about locking them in. The trouble is, we used to run a show at Datchet, and a group of these people drove at us to get on. I then locked the barrier, only be told by the police inspector, Steve, I'd be arrested for wrongful imprisonment. But I don't think it's right. I mean, it's, it's not... Uh, it's, it's absolutely straightforward. Somebody moves on to an illegal site where they're not supposed to be on. I couldn't tell us who they are. I couldn't tell us whether it's a bunch of Boy Scouts or a, or a jamboree for the Girl Guides. And they fill it with their rubbish, then they don't get off there till they clean it all up. It's as simple as that. It's not difficult, but if these people want to live in squalor, well, then uh, they have to pay for it. Kevin the Milkman says, I don't know how the smoking ban will be able to work in prison. Not like they can just pop outside for a smoke. Um, well, I, I agree, actually, that they, they should be popping outside. But also, it's supposed to be a deterrent to go into prison, isn't it? The whole idea is they send you to prison, but most of these people seem to spend their lives in there. There was, there was one woman the other day who was caught on one of these police programmes, and uh, she was Vietnamese, and what was she doing? She was running a cannabis farm in this house. They wondered, the, the police officer, and I think he's in Slough, he's obviously got a very good nose, and he went down this alley and went, he said, I can smell cannabis. And I thought, you see, it's funny that. You know, and he walks, and he goes a bit further, and he goes, I can really smell cannabis. Then they look at the windows of the house, and they're all blocked off, which generally indicates that somebody inside is running. They opened it. She had 600 plants growing, the whole hydroponic system. How I know that word, I have no idea. But they've got this hydroponic system going on. It's in the bathroom. She's sitting there, oblivious to anything, because she's obviously off her, off her face. And they arrest her. They take her away again. 
And uh, she's only just come out of prison for a similar offence. So she's gone back to doing the same thing. I mean, she doesn't know whether she's in prison or not. <sighs> prison. And so off she goes again. But they, they take away all these plants. Must be quite overwhelming. But they literally, you can obviously tell with the meters whizzing around, can't you? Ridiculous. Steve, how hard is it not to mention the celebrities' nightmare for broadcasters? Not really. Not really. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm surprised that it hasn't been blurted out by somebody. But luckily, because the programme is in a delay system, we have the opportunity to push a button just in case inadvertently I come up with names. But I mean, as I say, as everybody knows who it is anyway, it makes a complete mockery of my job, doesn't it? Because you all know who it is. I only knew a short while ago. And it's only because somebody had said in the office, oh, you know who it is. And I went, no. And they told me, I went, oh, riveting. <laughs> I, was that, I was that nonplussed by it. Uh, I'm not non- nonplussed by your... Um, by your you're turning up for the programme today, because I know you turn up every morning for four o'clock for the spike, so thank you very much indeed. Uh, and the papers, front page, Maddie Search Sensation Daily Star. Let three million more in the UK. Migrant surge if we stay in the EU is the sun. Robson Green, story of a serial woman stealer. Daily Express, police, set one policeman, says Maddie could still be alive. The uh, tearful wife's goodbye to Ronnie Corbett, the lovely Ronnie Corbett. Maddie, police, we hope to find her alive. Uh, detective vows to keep up the search. I think he'll be doing it by himself. Uh, the Daily Mail, Osborne's three million migrant bombshell. And the last good night for Ronnie Corbett. A pair of his glasses on the floral tribute. Have yourself a great day. Thank you so much indeed. Free podcast for you up very, very shortly. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. And you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. I promise you, it will save your life. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, it's Nick Ferrari this morning with breakfast. But coming up next, Lisa Aziz with...